Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the doctor as he travels the vortex and landed episode number 211. I'm not sure if this is a podcast that dreamt it was a frog or a frog that dreamt it was a podcast. I'm Keith, Ribbit. I'm Sean, Ribbit. I'm Glenn. I'm a man, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I might be a frog. <laughs> Maybe I'm dreaming of you guys. Are you a, You're frogs. Are you a man or are you a frog of a man? <laughs> I'm a Muppet of a man. <laughs> I'm a very manly Muppet. <laughs> How are you guys? I was thinking of that movie the other day. I wanted to Who's a frog? It. <laughs> I'm confused. I don't know. Does that mean we're French? I have to wake up. I'd hope not, and then we'd be dinner. <laughs> are we doing uh, Dreamception again? Dreamception. It's only fitting Christmas-ception. after. Yes. Did you guys have a good week? Does that mean I'm a frog with a dream crab on my face? <laughs> or are you a person with a dream crab on your face thinking you're a frog? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, or are you a man with overwhelm- a frog crab on your face? <laughs> overwhelming hunger for fr- flies? According to Phil, we still look like Muppets. So. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up the frog. Oh, wait. Is that this week's feedback? Am I get- did I get ahead of myself? <laughs> <laughs> you time traveled. <laughs> Spoilers! <laughs> I'm fine sounding like a Muppet. You know who should be a, a guest commentator, I guess, a, a, a correspondent for, for Traveling the Vortex? Kermit. Kermit. Kermit the Frog. Absolutely. <laughs> why, haven't we got, why haven't we reached out to Kermit? Because then we could use the... Finally, I do it all the time. And we'd have to get a package deal, though. In addition to Kermit doing the the, the, the frog on the street reports, we, we'd have to get the, the Muppet News guy to come in <laughs> and give us the... Here's a Muppet News Flash. Yeah. <laughs> get on that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll make some calls. Right. We can get them over Skype, right? <laughs> well, you guys are in the news. You know these people. <laughs> <laughs> You've been at symposiums Welcome and to stuff Sean's together. mind. Well, we are an ABC affiliate. Wow. See? How hard is this? You're an ABC affiliate. That Here's the news. It's puppet news, Sesame Street news. It's all related, you, you right? You guys practically work for Disney anyway. <laughs> oh, dear. And Brian Williams is in the studio over. Yeah. And their headquarters is in New York, which means it's just a jump and skip from Sesame Street. I know that New York's not that big. And come on. Indeed. Make a phone call. Indeed. <laughs> Brian, hey, could you run down to Sesame Street? We're going to need, uh, we need, we need, we need Kermit. For a side project. Kermit's been on Sesame Street for a long time. I think yeah. because, well, I think because of the Disney deal. Can't be used. Uh, He's not a property of Children's that's, Television that's, Network or Muppet. That's or, uh, true. I didn't think about that. I guess an intellectual property. I'm pretty sure we went over this last time we brought up the Kermit Muppet Did we? Flash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all new to me. Who knows how long ago that was, though? So, you know what I'm really Hi-oh. looking. <laughs> you know what I'm looking forward to getting on the schedule is Kinda and and Snake Dance because I cannot <laughs> wait to refresh my memory on those. It's been so long since we watched them. Yeah. It'll all be new to me. <laughs> 
every week I, I prepare my, I have little notes and I come and I sit down at this table and look open. And the first note is you're part of a doctor who podcast. <laughs> Sean's, Sean's got memento going. On. That's early Alzheimer's. I think. <laughs> I told you guys earlier, I lost my, iPad we should do this podcast again. backwards. So that like, we'll do Ooh, the end of the yeah. can you edit it that way? Kind of like memento and, I, mean, I could. <laughs> It'd be out next week. But <laughs> just five-minute chunks. Which, you know, sometimes that's the case anyway. We should totally do that. We should totally do a, a podcast where we start at the end and give the schedule and then talk about why we didn't like something and then launch into a review of something. Sean, we're and pretty abusive to our listeners the way it is. I don't think we need to do that. <laughs> Do we have anything coming up that we could, <laughs> that we could pair that up with? That would be kind of a cool no. gimmick. Too bad uh, we missed that opportunity with flip-flop. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Or even last week with the Boy, uh, we wish we were clever. <laughs> <laughs> we're almost too clever. <laughs> a week late clever. <laughs> a week? We're a couple, Two weeks late clever. A couple weeks late. We don't even know what week it is now. <laughs> We had those two yeah. shows stuffed against each other. Though. So we're running together. Is it January yet? It is January. I watched Finally. some movies. What'd you watch? Well, the first one I watched, my first, you know, I, I talked about doing Netflix Lou Roulette. Oh, yes, yes. And my first one was a winner. <laughs> <laughs> I fired up Netflix and I did a little close my eyes. And I, I, I even went to like um, suggestions for Glenn. I mixed it up this way. Wow, Instead of doing really, genre, really, you know, really, I, my yeah. first outing that out, could have I been went. TV then. I went. Yeah, well, if I hadn't landed on a television, I would have done it again. I went, and the first one I landed on, I think, was um, The Reluctant Dragon, which I've seen. And I've marked that scene in my Netflix, so it shouldn't be showing up as a suggestion for you. That doesn't always matter. But I've seen it. In fact, I've even seen it recently. So So I, and the first one popped up was In a World. (gasps) That's in my queue. It's so good. So good. And nothing like I expected. Not even having seen the trailer before. Even after nothing my review? Nothing, nothing yeah, even like, after your review. That I said like it was I nothing expected. like I expected. It was, it Did was, you review that? It was yeah. Ju- yeah, he, he sent On the show? I, before it uh, went on Netflix. I found it at the library. Okay. And then it came on Netflix and I reminded you guys, hey, you guys need to go see this. Steel trap. Steel trap. <laughs> so it's a rusted steel. shut steel trap. <laughs> steel collar. Nothing's getting in there. Yeah. Nothing's getting Still in there. Steel sieve. Um, yeah, it's it's really good. Yeah. Um, I tend to like Lake Bill to begin with because yeah, I liked her on yeah. uh, Boston Legal a lot. Oh, I forgot she was on that. Yeah. No, uh, and it, then I watch. I haven't watched Surface. What's Surface? She it was. Uh, it's on Netflix too. It was a oh that one, one season TV show. Yeah, that it was end. like the same year that it was the NBC Alien Invasion show, as opposed to the ABC version of oh, Invasion, I that, yeah. and both only lasted one year. <laughs> Surface was the one that was underwater mostly. Okay, I do remember that. I'm tempted to watch it just because she's in it. She's good. I like her. She, yeah. but she's she's real quirky. I like uh, she. She kind of reminds me of, uh, well, in this particular movie, she reminds me of Zoe Deschanel a little bit. Just that kind of. I could see know. that a little not, bit. Maybe not New Girl, but some of the movies. That okay. Zoe's done. Yeah. Um, but just kind of that character she plays. Um, I don't think I recognized anybody else in the movie, but um, oh. Oblender, uh Dimitri Martin. Uh, Do you recognize him? The, oh yeah, the yeah, quasi yeah, romantic I did. guy. I, yeah, I did know him. I did know him. He's on some show on NBC now. Yeah, his one didn't last very long. Yeah, um, no, it's good. It's it's. it's um, I like the whole idea of this competing to be the next. Um, help me with his name, Sean. The 
guy that did in the world. Uh, oh, um, Don, is it Don LaFontaine? Yeah, or is yeah, it, Fontaine. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, was, <laughs> I don't know what to say other than it was great. Movie. <laughs> it's really it was really enjoyable. It was, it was, is, is it something that, you, that, that people who maybe were not into film as much as we are would uh, enjoy? I think it helps. Like, would, would, would your average frog on the street kind of go? I think it helps, but it's written really well, and it's written so well. It's and everybody well knows you Don Fontaine. Know. So, yeah. I mean, everybody knows that voice. Everybody knows that trailer voice, and I think every, anybody could associate with it. But I think it helps if you're a movie fan or a movie buff. Um, it's certainly, I mean, it's a lot of the inner, inner Hollywood workings, but not, it's like kind of this offshoot of inner Hollywood workings because it's just, it's just voice the over. voiceover uh, area of, of Hollywood. In fact, their, their rewards, it just, it killed me. I mean, it was like their, their awards is like completely separate from everything else. And in a and, small little room. Because it's not yeah, even, like it's not even voiceover, some, it's just voiceover trailer work, yeah, right? Voiceover it's trailer. completely... Well, no, because she, didn't she get she, some jobs for She was doing voice coaching ones. and yeah, stuff. Yeah, she did voice coaching. And, but it's not, I mean, it's not like and well, anime and she was uh, coaching, um, she was coaching <laughs> Eva, Longoria. Eva Longoria because her, uh, <laughs> what, what accent was she supposed to be doing? I think she was uh, supposed to be doing... Cockney. That. Yeah. <laughs> And apparently they'd shot this movie with Eva Longoria. But Cockney was horrible, so they were having ADR everything. With they had Eva come in, and she was coaching her in order to. Do and the amount of ADR uh, voices like Bell can do is really impressive. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it made me wonder why we don't have any female voiceover yeah. trailer voiceover. Uh, I, bl- I blame Don. Because once you go in a world, well, that's but kind of the thing. She's now. got this. I think really, there's a lot of people you could recognize in it. She's now. got this really nice. Warm. She does a really uh, good yeah, would it be alto uh, yeah. uh, voice that she does for her voiceovers. I I, I totally buy it. I mean, um, she's so, she in a, she does her own twist on the Don Lampontaine. Yeah, but they, well, they all do except yeah. for what's his name, the uh, her dad. He does his is his is really similar. Yeah, but, but they all kind of take a page out of his book when trying to do their voiceover. Agreed. Even agreed. her. So. Um, but even even more so. I mean, it's a comedy and it's fun, but there's a lot of great relationship drama. Yeah, the stuff there. with uh, Rob Corddry yeah. was really yeah. really powerful stuff. And, I thought uh, it just oh, Rod, oh, yeah, I forgot about him too. Yeah, like <laughs> and his wife yeah. is on uh, was on Trophy Wife. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. I've never seen that. So yeah, it's good. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was I was much pleased for my first. Um, Outing with my roulette, and then I found out that there's actually a website called Netflix Roulette. <laughs> it does you it for can, you. You can yeah, you can do it. You can eliminate shows altogether, and you just click the button, and it pops the movie up. And you got, so that's what I did for my next one, which ah. was <laughs> not such a ambush winner. in Dark Canyon, which was a western that was put out in 2012, oh. and it stars. Um, well, it actually stars, although he's he's on Imdaba, he's um, uh, kind of buried in the cast list, which I was kind of surprised. Uh, hang on, I'm, I'm bringing this up because I had some notes. Sometimes um, Imdaba goes in order of appearance. Yeah, and, I, and it, well, uh, that might be the case because he doesn't come along. He's in a couple of like flashback sequences because the story is about this newspaper in the 1930s. That's doing a story about this. Well, the 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 reporter that's assigned to it. Essentially, he he seems to be kind of this like flaky guy who um, 
Hang on a second. No, not the... The store came up. He's this um, guy that, that, that does... Um, he, he's late to work all the time. He kind of doesn't take his job very seriously, but he's he's a he's a really good writer from the impression they give. Oh my and, life story! <laughs> and but his his uh, editor ends up getting really mad and calls him to his office and basically threatens to fire him. But he says, "I won't fire if you do this one job for me." And the idea is that he has to go out and uh, interview this guy who was supposedly the last um, deputy. That was tracking down this guy, um, this U.S. marshal that was involved in a bank robbery, hmm. and was sent to prison, and escaped, and ended up being being killed in a shootout. Was that was the idea of it? And uh, Duke Donovan was the name of the marshal, and so he goes to this guy's house, and a little coercing goes through talking to him, but he starts to recount the story. So then that sets back up the in the, in the it's like in the mid to late 1800s. Actually, I think it was after slavery, so it was probably 1860s, 1870s. That was probably even later than that. Probably around the, just before the turn of the century. And anyway, there was this marshal, and he was in this botched bank robbery, and he was sent to prison, and found out that the guy that led the gang, that he was sort of quasi a part of. What happened was, is the the bank was being robbed, and he didn't want anybody to be hurt, killed, and it goes sour, and the, the one guy kills uh, the other guy, they ended up capturing the, the marshal, Duke Donovan, and he goes to uh, prison. He ends up escaping prison with the help of um, uh, Ernie Hudson, oh. <laughs> who's in the film. And, Is that uh, who was buried? Because he finds this suddenly out, got a lot better. <laughs> because he finds out that his wife, who's played by Sidney Penny, if you don't know who she is, she was the little girl in Pale Rider. His wife uh, is her, his li- her life's in danger. So essentially, he escapes from prison and goes to, to save her. Unfortunately, he doesn't make it there in time. And then uh, he tracks down the guys that, that killed him, and, and it goes from there. And and there there's a lot of I, I think you should see it. it, it was, I'll say right now, it was, it was a good movie. I like westerns, so I'm a little biased. It's uh, it's an independent film, unless it's a town I'm, called Mercy. <laughs> <laughs> it's an independent film, and it's not. I don't even think it went to the theaters. I think it probably ended up going to direct a video. But huh. uh, the guy that plays Duke Donovan is actually Kix Brooks, which country music fans will know him as the other half, half of uh, Brooks and Dunn, one of the halves of Brooks, oh. Brooks and Dunn. And he's done some acting for this film company that produced this, and they actually asked him if he would do a leading role, and he reluctantly said yes. And he's he really does a really good job in this acting-wise. Hmm. But... Um, uh, another name that you might be a little familiar with is Don Swayze, who was Patrick's his Patrick Swayze's younger brother. He's in this. Um, it's it's good. It was it was a, it was interesting. It wasn't a turkey for me. My second roulette film, <laughs> um, but I, I quite enjoyed it. And I think if if you like westerns and you get you know you get in the mood to watch a western, it's not it's not one that would you would, would sour you. It's not one that you would hate. And it was it's only about an hour. And, 40 minutes, 45 minutes. And oh, that's not too it's, bad. It's a, it feels like a quick watch. It really clipped along. The story's interesting. And the, the outcome, actually, I kind of predicted what the finale or what the outcome was going to be. But um, that being said, I was still enjoyable getting to that that point. So hmm. That was another one. And then last night, I guess I'm going to do them all here. Last <laughs> night, we rented uh, Maze Runner. Oh, oh how was it? It's good. It's good. It, uh, it, I read the book. 
uh, last summer, I believe it mm-hmm. was, and it it there's some things that drastically diverge from the book, and there's something, and then for the most part, it, the the intent and the story is still there. Um, some of the things that I wondered how they were going to do in the film, they just didn't do in the film. <laughs> and well, there's that there's that problem. The kind of the so or the, the the villain in this. Well, I should say kind of a sub villain because without giving too much away, there's another villain, but. Um, the villain in this, the, the, or the monsters in this, are called Reavers, and the book does the Reavers so much better than the movie did. Although, the, if I hadn't read the book, I'd have gone, oh, those are really cool. That's a really neat original idea, except for they were anthropomorphized. Well, they are anthropomorphized, but they were, they were <laughs> borrowed from scorpions. I mean, there was a, the, the idea came from they were just these giant monstrous uh, scorpions, but um, was done well enough that if I hadn't read the book and liked the Reavers in the book better, mm-hmm. this would have been good. I, I mean, I would have gone, oh, that's a really cool, clever design. Um, but yeah, overall good movie. It's uh, again not a lot of familiar people, but um, well, Jojen's uh, in it, right? Yeah, uh, was that Sam from uh, what's the, the Love Actually? Love Actually, yeah, yeah. He's in I think this. it was Jojen was his name. I I can't. And remember. Game of he's Thrones. in Game of Thrones as yeah. well. Um, he was in it, yeah. And then um, the gal that played Effie on uh, Skins, the first three seasons of Skins, is in. Is the girl in it? <clears throat> There was a couple other faces that I recognized, but I couldn't mm-hmm. tell you who they were. Um, but yeah, overall it was good. Um, it doesn't. It, it's like I say, it strays from the book a bit, but everything. The heart of the story, the, the, the central point of the story, is still there. And do you know that guy's Ferb? Guy yeah, Game I did know that. I did know he was Ferb. He's the voice of Ferb, which. <laughs> For barely speak, so probably over the course oh. of five seasons that they've done finishing Furby, he's probably had like I don't know eighty words total. <laughs> he, thinks, well, he says one thing or two things in every episode, but um, yeah, I did know that he was Furby. Um, yeah, we we quite enjoyed it. Holly and, and Caitlin really liked it. Um, of course, as it ends, I, you guys know that it's a book series, so as yeah, it ends, a- they go, "Oh, this is." series. I hope we get another movie. <laughs> so, I haven't heard if they're actually going to make one. No, right? I haven't heard how well it did. Although it's got a, like a 63 or 67% of Rotten Tomatoes, so it's it got good critical reviews anyway. Hmm. That's so. usually good enough to at least get somebody I, interested. I think Mortal Instruments got well, that, it's worse between, and worse yeah. box office and they're it's still between, making a sequel. It's usually between critic ratings and box office numbers, so it depends on how well it did too. But yeah, uh, I, They really need to do another film because I mean it does really kind of leave you hanging as to what what happens next mm-hmm. so um yeah so we we enjoyed that that's it so far so we're only two weeks into the new year and i've already watched three films <laughs> <laughs> mel and i watched uh from up on poppy hill which is uh, studio ghibli could you see it from there i could not <laughs> um one of the um did you inhale the poppies and no pass out? it's um it's a Japanese animated film, but Do you it's like uh, the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> shut you. Uh, uh, Studio Ghibli does all the um, animation. My neighbor Totoro yeah. and, and and that stuff. The anime stuff that Disney has released here, basically. Yes. Yeah. Purely on the on the on the on the strength of John Lasseter, who is such a huge fan. When they get the audio or the American actors yes. of higher caliber yes, to, to do the voices. Do yeah, the and, and again, that's all from John Lasseter, who went mm-hmm. to Disney and, and said, you need to do something because this stuff's all great, and it's what we all you know, are inspired by, and it needs to have an American audience. And so Disney went and contacted them and signed a deal. And right. We're talking Ponyo and How's Moving Castle. And yes. Yeah. And oh, that, that, that whole thing. Um, Kiki's 
deliveries. Kiki's Delivery Service and, and, and many of them. Princess Mononoke? Is Princess that one Mononoke of them? is one of them, Spirited Away. Um, yeah. But uh, this one is, is not one that I was totally familiar with. We just happened to get one in. Oh, cool. I'm going to pounce on that while I can because uh, I can rent it. And uh, I, I should have just bought it outright because it was <laughs> beautiful. It was such a good movie. And you, you, I know you have this anti-anime thing. But you really should start getting into the Studio Ghibli stuff. I like stuff. Howl's Moving Co- uh, Castle and... What was the other one I saw? Just recently. It came out last year. Yeah, oh, um, last year would have been... Was it Secret, Secret World of Variety? That's it. Secret World of Variety. I liked those. They, they really kind of combine... I mean, yes, there's that element of anime styling to it, but it, it's really almost more of a Disney movie. They fit so well within you know the Disney family of, of stuff because of the, the tonal qualities of it. Mm-hmm. And what I love about them is that they're frequently not big, epic Aladdin you know, or or the the Lion King they're story of the king. They're, 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 they're just they're little stories about little people, and well, literally. But just you know, and th- this particular one is uh, about uh, Umi, who's a sixteen uh, year old uh, uh, student, and uh, she meets a boy, and kind of you know starts to fall for him, and you know it's just it's just kind of their little relationship story, and it's you know an hour and a half, and, and it was a beautiful story, and I, I love the fact that these are filled with scenes that would never make it into an animated story. You know, she's getting breakfast ready for the group, so she's got the rice and they're just setting plates out and doing this cool thing. And it's really not important for anything other than for you to get to know her regiment of how her day goes. Mm-hmm. But that's the kind of thing that any American animation company would go, We're not animating that. That's not cut important. That, you yeah. know, cut that out. And it just it's just the fact that they're they're going through this. And I, I love the fact that it's traditional animation. That that to me is just such a huge draw. But it was just this this beautiful, sweet little story and you know, it went on, and then they had a little bit of drama that came into their lives, and there's a, a clubhouse on campus that uh, there is in danger of being torn down, and they have to try and rescue it. And it's just this sweet little story, and Mel and I just fell in love with it. It was just beautiful. Huh. So I can't recommend that one highly enough. It's it's fantastic. It's just great. That one sounds like it might be more up my alley, too. I mean, some of I mean, Howl's Moving Castle so far has far and away been my favorite yeah, because exactly. I, I love the sense of whimsy and magic and and things that are going. On. This is just a plain little story. It's set in Yokohama in like 1964, so it's post Korean War, and it's everybody's gearing up for the Olympics. So there's that kind of sense in 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 Japan that we're gonna we're gonna erase everything that ever happened in our history <laughs> because the Olympics are coming and we're gonna be this new society and it's Japan over and over again. Well that's that's what the students <laughs> were kind of rallying against is why why are you demolishing this this classic building because uh, of that and, and so that's kind of where that that dichotomy comes from. But huh. it's it was just a fantastic little story. It was awesome. I read a uh, thing about um, what's the uh, I'm so bad with Names and of things, but the, where samurai used to disembowel themselves, you know, with the Seppuku? swords. Of, that's it. Yeah, I read a uh, thing. Did you see it on Iowa? Yeah, I, I read it. I was uh, why very it stopped happening. Yeah, I didn't read it, but I saw it. Oh, it's, it was so interesting. And of course, then that got me <laughs> looking at a lot of other Japanese stuff and just how they've they've continued to try to modernize their society, <laughs> and they've always got this resistance from traditionalists. And sounds like another situation there. Hmm. 
It's yeah. so the only, only reason I brought that up. <laughs> it, 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 it was beautiful. I cannot recommend it enough. It was it was phenomenal. You watch anything else? And a great voice cast. Uh, Anton Yelton was in it, and oh. I mean, it was one of those that you look at it, and there was just this block of names and Jamie Lee Curtis and Anton Yelton and blah blah and bump 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 all the way down the list. And I went, wow, that's a ton of people. And a lot of them were maybe only in for like three lines. Sure, sure. But I, I, it kind of shows the clout that I know, think that's when Disney it. calls, you come running. Right? Yes. <laughs> well, I think actors and actresses are really chomping at the bit, not just to do Disney films, but to do. And especially if it's quick and easy one day thing and mm-hmm. they get paid for it. Why not? Bo Bridges was in it. Well, know, yeah. and Disney can, I mean, they, they, they pay money for distribution and they pay money for revoicing and that's all they have to pay. And they're going to mm, make yeah. all of the domestic back from it. So they're able to pay the actors a little more for, for, for lesser studio time. Yeah. So. They're able to get those big names in there. Yeah. Just really illustrating how much I like Anthony Yelton right now. Kajillions <laughs> of dollars. Yeah. The parks are all doing well, and the Disney Channel's doing well. And <laughs> I was kind of surprised like Big Hero money. Six didn't win the Golden Globe for yeah, Best Animated. Yeah. Uh, how, how to Train, train Your Dragon. Dragon 2. I guess I get to watch those movies now. <laughs> oh, if you need to borrow How to Train Your Dragon Two, I've got that. Have you seen the first one? Parts of it. I, I think I've seen enough of it to have, to say I've seen the film. Because uh, no, you need to sit down and watch, watch it. Well, I do, but I mean, I know the story. Yeah. I know, you know it, it's good. It's it's enjoyable. I, but one day I'd like to sit and watch Two it. Two is even better. Let me know when you want them over and for you. Mm. Do you watch anything else? Um. Oh yeah, we watched uh, the Private Eyes with uh, Don Knotts, and, Don Knotts uh, and, and, and Tim, Tim Conway. Conway. Yeah, I used to love that. It was another HBO staple, speaking of which. I, I, I saw that one and, and jumped on it and brought it home. was all excited and made Mel and the kids watch it. And uh, Don't get me wrong, I'm very glad that we saw it, but wow, has that lost something not being a kid. Yeah. As an eight-year-old, it was the greatest <laughs> film I ever. I saw it again when I was, well, this has been ten years ago, but it, it's, it, well, number one, it shows its age. Yeah, and number it two, it's drama. not as it's not as funny because I mean I grew up with Don Knotts and Tim yeah. Conway because I mean, they were they're my favorite part of the Apple Dumpling Gang. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, that's the know, only I, part of I the Apple watching, Dumpling Gang I remember. Yeah, I grew up watching Carol Burnett with, and Friends, and he was uh, Tim Conway was on that, and Don Knotts, of course, being on uh, Andy Griffith and Mayberry, and I just I grew up loving those guys, and every time they pair them up in a film, they're just they're phenomenal. But uh, yeah, I, I I was the same way. I was like. Okay, I'm glad I saw it again. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just, you <laughs> know, something when you're not a kid. So, some it. of the jokes, like the time gun, and it goes off every hour. <laughs> and I'm giggling already because I know that it's got, you know, oh, by the way, you better, and it blows the window out of the car. And, you know, why'd you invent that? Well, well that could save your life someday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I wanted to shoot a guy at the top of the hour. <laughs> Um, and then the, the butler walk this way. <laughs> that joke never gets old. Yeah, I'm no, sorry, yeah, that, that yeah. should be in more That's movies. a trope, <laughs> but it never gets old. <laughs> walk this way. But yeah, so we watched that one, and then we were continuing with our uh, our Lord of the Rings. We also got in two towers this week. So that's... I picked both of them up from the library, uh-huh. Fellowship and Two Towers. So I'm going to get that this week. Uh, I watched Edge of Tomorrow. Ooh, so good! Have you seen uh, it? No, yet? I haven't. Oh, it's so everybody, good! Everybody I've talked to says it's such a phenomenal movie, and it just got burned by its it name. Did. And, and really, uh, about. Two thirds of the way through the movie, the name clicked for me. That they're on the edge of tomorrow because he's reliving the day. Yeah, that makes sense now. It's still, it's still a horrible title. Sense. It kind of made sense to me when I saw the, I, it, it saw the trailer. It, really. it didn't click to me until until watching it. But it's such a good movie, so good. Um, God, I'm gonna get on. Tom Cruise does a phenomenal job. Bill Paxton's in it, and those greats. Oh, I didn't realize. Bill yeah, Paxton. it's kind of a small role. Um, Another person from Game of Thrones is in it. 
Emily Blunt does a phenomenal job. It's so... Even though it's based off a novel, it's so nice to have something kind of fresh and different in sci-fi currently. Well, I, I, and, I, and I'm fine with... And it, it's a novel that hasn't been done before. Well, that's just it. I'm, I'm fine with people adapting novels for films. It's been done since oh, the beginning since of filmmaking. Film yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm okay just go with to new that. Source it's just it seems it seems like now Hollywood is in besides making all of the remakes and reboots and everything and, and rehashing everything that's come before because it was successful once they didn't want to cash in on it again and they cash in on, on our nostalgia. It, it's either the next phase was every time a book series or a series of books was super popular, they jumped on that right away. And so it's refreshing to see them go find other material that that, that they can use that that's not you know book of the week right now or book and of especially the month. considering the it came out that uh, I guess it was a manga not a novel was it a novel I guess it was man- a novel then manga yes and it came out uh, the novel in two thousand four so it's been ten years oh, since yeah. this thing was published so it's nice that it took a while even to. Do it right, I guess. I don't. Having not read it, I don't know. I'm really intrigued to go read it now. Um, but yeah, highly, highly, highly recommend that one. Uh, I also stumbled across, well, not stumbled across. Our morning meteorologist took me off to a show called Black Mirror. It's on Netflix. It's a British anthology show, uh, kind of in the vein of Twilight Zone. Uh, if that. Immediately piques your interest. Be careful. It is very, very M.A. Very adult. Very dark. Very heavy subject matters it's tackling. Um, The first episode is exploring this princess gets kidnapped. And the ransom goes on YouTube. And starts spreading and kind of explores the... What what they... Trying to be PG about it. What they're wanting the prime minister to do is a very polarizing thing. And so it, it kind of explores how the political reaction to it and different things happen and how the how they react to it. Um, so it, that's really captivating first episode. Uh, the second one is kind of a, a bit more futuristic and um, kind of American Idol-based... A little bit of uh, the season one Doctor Who penultimate episode. I blanked on the name. Long Game? Whatever one that um. was. The, rea- the, fake, the reality shows. It's these people that live in these tiny boxes. Well, that wasn't the Long Game. Uh, long Game was one of the first time. Uh, Bad Wolf. Or, uh, yeah, Bad Wolf. Yeah, Bad, Bad Wolf. Wolf. Yeah. So, but kind of that futuristic... Uh, reality show idea where these people this guy you're following pedals for a living and it's assumed I assume that it's him generating power for other people and every bit he pedals he gets money oh. and so but there are everything he does on this touch screen he can play games and do other stuff which costs money and sometimes advertisements pop up but you have to pay to skip them and then he kind of falls for a girl and wants to get her on the American Idol type thing to get her out of this life and things kind of take a left turn and go kind of weird and twisty. Uh, and then the the f- so I watched the first season, and the first season's only three episodes. And the third episode is about this technology called the grain that lets you relive any memory you've had since it's been installed. 
so you can rewind and play any memory. It records huh. absolutely everything. You can even throw it on the TVs and show other people and analyze and zoom in and do a bunch of all other cool, very futuristic things. The guy who starred in it, Koba, from Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, oh. So if I hadn't been following the behind-the-scenes stuff so much of that, I wouldn't recognize him. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's, who's also going to be Victor Von Doom in the new Fantastic Four. Really? Yeah. It's going to get pigeonholed as a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this, this one explores the impact this sort of device has on a marriage, especially if there's the suspect of infer- uh, not infertility. Uh, infidelity. Infidelity, yes. In the in the marriage, so it's very very heavy, very dark stuff. But if if you like that sort of thing, I highly recommend it. Um, we finished uh, Studio sixty, which ended wonderfully, as it should have. Uh, and then today we watched Night at the Museum. First one? First one, which I hadn't seen before. What did you think of it? It was cute. It was enjoyable. It wasn't... I thought it might have been funnier. I think I just don't go as much for the, the physical humor that will, that he does, that Ben Stiller does. It was, it was very cute. I'm going to watch the next one, the sequel, because I, I, the same guy lent me the movies. So, I, I really enjoyed... Actually, my favorite part of it probably was Robin Williams. And I didn't think he did very much of a himself in it. I, didn't, I felt it was more... I, I, as compared to what he's done before, it didn't feel as much like Robin Williams to me. It's not... Maybe it's worse in the sequel. Yeah. I mean, it's not Mrs. Doubtfire or those kind of Robin Williams roles, but... Yeah. That's pretty much it. I bought Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Oh, you did? Based <laughs> off of our... Just based on the fact that both wow. of you raved so much about it. I was like, wow. okay, so... I had a coupon. <laughs> I will take advantage of my coupon. Agent Carter was really good. I'm really looking forward to watching more of that. It's set in the 40s, right? Yeah. It's, 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 legit... it's set 1946, a year after the war ended. Now, how much... This is something I was curious about, because I'm, I'm in that mildly curious stage. Well, what's nice is it's eight episodes. Oh, it's a miniseries. It's, it's not a miniseries. Be a full-blown... Oh. Yeah. So it's a little easier for you to jump yeah. into. How is this different than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 1940s? It's not uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. yet. Okay, it's, how is this different than S.H.I.E.L.D.? So, uh, I wondered the same thing when I knew that they were formulating it, but it's... Because... I, I, I'll give this away right here. Right here now. A little bit of a spoiler. Um, she's working on her own. She's working for SSR. She's working for SSR, but she's kind of having to do her own thing. And I won't tell you why she's having to do her own thing, but... What I was most impressed by the series is the fact that it, well, it's kind of they've kind of released that in promotional. Yeah, material. I guess so. Well, yeah, she's working for Howard Stark, who's on the run. Actually. Okay, his, some of his uh, inventions got stolen. The guy played Jarvis's the best part of this whole show. He is really good. So good. What I like about it is it's, oh, it's got, uh, they uh, aren't Victor from Dollhouse in it too. So. They aren't shy of. Making it very 1940s male chauvinistic guys that there's no place for a woman other than the, in the kitchen or as secretaries and and she's bucking that trend but she's also having to work covertly and because she's working covertly because of this atmosphere that is that that, that existed in the 1940s she it, it's it really strengthens her 
character as it just as this real strong female spy character and uh it's it there there's gadgets i mean but you know we we know the howling commandos had gadgets i mean that's yeah. shield alluded to that yeah in in its series so it's it's quite different in this in the in the pace and the style of it because it's it's one woman working that's why it's called agent carter it was real obvious yeah. when i first saw the first episode the first two episodes when I first saw the first two episodes, I went, okay, this is why this is Agent Carter, because this is her working on it. Well, she's working with Jarvis, but we're her working on her own, her having to do these things on her own. And uh, all the SSR thinks that they're doing. They're like <laughs> one step behind. Yeah, they, they're the just time. one step behind her at each at each turn. And, it, and the first two episodes, or one, if you want to call it that, because yeah. it aired kind of as a two-hour special, but it was actually the pilot in the second episode that they ran. It's it, it, it's it's really quite different than Agents okay. of Shield. Well, and it's, and it's, I mean, laying, like, it's obviously laying the groundwork for what will become Shield. Yeah, but well, very just the fact that it's set in the forties was kind of an automatic plus for me. Going that that's well, something felt, that I'm really intrigued by that you would set a show in that time frame and not whitewash it. That's really kind of exciting. Well, and they but, took the Agent Carter one shot and are expanding on it even more. It's kind of the although same. Although it's yeah. really hard to tell where the one. I'm pretty sure it's after. Well. Uh, that one shot is before the series, because she wasn't an wa- agent yet. I went back and watched the one shot though, and they really kind of make it sound like she's recruited to go off and start Shield. And it's re- really again hard for me to gel now how this how the one shot kind of fits in. But I think as we go, we might they're able to kind of paint that, back yeah. and, and explore it. I think it'll work. But do you remember? Did it say a year on the one shot? I haven't come back and rewatched it either. I don't remember because that could easily just. Place I don't it. think it did. I don't think it did. Because I, I, having not rewatched it, I just kind of fit it in my mind that okay, she got promoted to agent, so she went to New York to be, yeah. and well, that's what this is. Yeah, and it, 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 it sort of works in that way, but the, the end of the one shot kind of give, leaves you with another impression than what we pick up with in Agent Carter. Mm. So, um, but oh, it's it's, it's solid, really man! It is so solid. I'm I'm so stoked, and and I'm actually. I'm quite grateful that it's it's a manageable eight episodes. Yeah, it's only you know, eight. I mean, well, I don't seven if, technically now because yeah. they did two parts in one a, shot. A two-hour premiere, so. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm encouraged that it's eight because I think not, I don't not, think it's, not well, because I don't want more, but because I think that's a good manageable chunk to say, okay, where do we, we, we wrap this up and where do we go from here with it? So. I don't think it could sustain a full ongoing se- series. I don't know. Is, a, recurring mini, a recurring miniseries maybe. Yeah, like Sherlock, but not a twenty-three episode every year type thing. I don't know if I would like it as much. And if ABC chose to dump it, I could see them continuing it on in Netflix or something like that. Oh, if yeah. they had to. Um, although it, it it had a better start than Agents of Shield did on ABC, so it didn't do the it didn't hit the ratings that they wanted, but it hit the ratings well enough that it that it, it established itself that it, they, obviously they're going to run all eight. See, I think I think and number the- two, it. Uh, I, it got enough critic response that I think that it, I mean obviously yeah. it's, it's going to make its it'll make its eight part run because it, oh, it yeah, has to, it's ABC but. yeah I think just one of the Mel and I talked a little bit about this um, have you been watching Agents of Shield we've yet? not been watching Agents I of Shield I would suggest uh, you can still jump in uh, well I'm afraid though that there's going to be a lot more tie back later as we go i just i have i don't know nothing about the first two episodes made me feel this way but i really have a feeling that you're going to want to watch agents shield before you delve into it especially since shield had some flashbacks to agent carter anyway although yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't yeah 
I don't know. I, I, one, of, one of the, one of the things I that I'm curious about is is with all of the stuff, and you know, I'm I'm a little afraid that because we're we haven't started Agents of Shield yet because we haven't done this, haven't done this. How many of these Marvel Cinematic Universe pockets are really going to wind up being integral to something else? I mean, am I going to be able to walk uh, into Avengers two with not having watched well, any of this, or is, is it going to be, be okay. one of those things that there's a joke? Be Easter eggs. For yeah, it'll, be, it'll be one of those things that if you I, if you were there from the beginning and you saw it, you're going to go into the movie and go, ha, 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 cool. Carter might be that way, but, but I think that you're you'll, you'll get more out of. Avengers, I think. You'll get a lot more out of Avengers if you watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The reason being is because for the first, well, you have to do this because you can't just start with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. now. But Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., what it did is it was playing catch-up to the MCU for the longest time. Yeah. It was was playing clean-up and catch-up, and it always had to be a step behind what was going on. Until Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier. And then it was running par and course with it, and which was really cool. Now, events that have happened in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to this point are setting up a lot of things we're going to see in the MCU. Uh, and especially later, maybe, and not so, Age, maybe not Age of Ultron, but later down the line. Well, for certain, later down the line. But I think we'll even get some... Hints? I think that, that what they've done is they've, they've, they've positioned Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. now where it's now going to be a front runner to even Age of Ultron. I think that I, I think there's still be, being, especially since Joss is so connected to it still being executive producer. And, and it may, it and may I, not I think be, they're still probably smart enough that you could watch Age oh, of Ultron without I th- absolutely anything. I think you could. Right, but yeah. here's my point is I think that you will appreciate things in Age of Ultron more. There'll be little things that you'll appreciate more based on having watched Age well, of Ultron. Well, and it, it, it's weird to say this, but it's not even Age of Ultron that I'm actually all that concerned about. It's Cap 3 because I can totally see Agents <laughs> of Shield well, especially since really <laughs> laying the groundwork. Connected, um, since they connected um, with knowing how well that Winter Soldier, Winter Soldier was, so much, you know, yeah. That, yeah. that I can see them laying the groundwork for what's going to wind up happening in the Civil War um, uh, for the third one. So, I don't know. Sarah's only complaint with Agent Carter is she feels the the dialogue is not authentic to the time. She feels like it's a little too forced, a little too over the top, trying to be. 1940s huh. instead of being the 1940s. I think she'd be amazed to go back. Well, see, I watch a lot of old films. <laughs> she watches a lot of historical shows, yeah, too. I so. guess that's true. But see, I watch a lot of old film that was actually made then and used the dialogue well, from the I'm day, not, and it was, it's see, all I'm not very sure if it's, much, so. I think she's looking at it as it's, it's trying to be like a 40s film as opposed to 40s real life. So you think films that are made today are not a reflection of well, society today, and and how we talk but, but, and how but we they're relate? Slightly we, exaggerated. I don't sometimes. think I don't think they are. You don't think so? Not unless it's something that's kind of futuristic or they're trying to be different. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that I mean, there's obviously heavier drama in in those kind of things, mm-hmm. but no, I I think that they, I think if you watch something from the 1980s, I think they feel very that's that was the climate at the time, that was the dialogue at the time, that was the. I don't know. It might have been, been a lot I, I, of the. I would have to disagree. Some I of the radio very, stuff that she didn't like was. Oh, that might have been. But you can I, go I back and charming. listen to yeah. those. You can go back and listen to those nineteen forties radio shows, and they're exactly that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Exactly. That's just what she said. No, I think she's wrong. She should watch <laughs> Radio Land Murders. <laughs> that is that is the that is now or that's nineties movies emphasizing that and pushing it a little more. Yeah. 
That's the stereotypical. Yeah, maybe that's that's, what, that's, what, maybe that's what has happened with that kind of film. Same same way when we watch that '70s show now, it's they're they're making the, it a caricature of the '70s. They're not actually making it feel like they're forcing it. But I, I don't felt I don't feel like the Agent Carter's done that. I think mm-hmm. it feels like those old films that I used to watch in the nineteen or that I used to, I've watched that are from the nineteen forties. Those old films you used to watch in the nineteen forties. <laughs> not that old. <laughs> They were from the twenties. I don't know. I, I, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's why it doesn't feel like I, I disagree. She's going to stick with it, so we'll see. <clears throat> I think you. I think might be also have to kind of be a little bit forgiving because it is a comic book world too. So, yeah, I mean, and that's always a little bit exaggerated anyway. But I don't. I don't think so. I think they've really got the feel for for the era. We did continue on with uh, with Arrow. We're up to episode fifteen, I think. Ooh, River r- r- River. Season, I can't say river because technically there's two rivers in it. Uh, Alex Kingston just showed up. <laughs> I spoiled myself because I was looking at. We was trying to do the list. We were like, man, this this is like where Doctor Who actors go for resurrections. Of, you know, after because you've got Captain Jack and I knew Alex Kingston was in it and I couldn't think of his name, but Doctor Moon. And everybody online's like, oh, this is great. All these Doctor Who actors are in Arrow because you've got John Barrowman, you've got Alex Kingston. It's like, what about Dr. Moon? He's been in more episodes than River, but you're not mentioning him. And I had to go look the guys up. Colin Salmon, by the way, who I love. He could just read the phone book. He's got such a great voice. Yep. He's just awesome. Um, and then... Um, we'll get to it, Mitch. Uh, don't tell me that. Um, ben Browder was in that episode. So we've had four Doctor Who alumni show up already. And I guess the creator's a huge Who fan. They, they, they admitted that. That's where he was looking for his casting. In fact, they're trying to get Matt Smith. I don't know if I told you that or not. For Arrow? For Arrow. That'd be awesome. They want him to come in and play something. They don't care what. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, um, All these uh, other hey. actors I can look at and go, yeah, that's, that's not him. That's not her. That's not him. I mean... I don't think I could look at Matt Smith and anything and go, hey, that's not the doctor. No, it is. <laughs> I don't know. I, Baltar. I haven't watched Baltar anything else. Yeah. I haven't seen anything else that Matt's been in. But, so. Ooh, he's not the doctor anymore. <laughs> but we're, we're enjoying it. It's, it's, I, I, I get where you feel where it's kind of, it's not necessarily plotting, but it, it just kind of feels like we're doing a lot of monster of the week with little reveals of the this big kind of overarching thing so it's, we're, we're keeping with it but it's I'm, I'm i'm still not to that oh my god best show ever but oh, it, it's, wow. it's it's really good that, still about where you're at where i was just i was i knew i was i was a lifelong fan at that point really and then um who's the other one that uh oh felicity <laughs> i gotta talk for a minute about felicity <laughs> who is felicity the Smoke. greatest character ever IT department is just so awesome on this show because I, every time she opens her mouth, it's inserts foot. <laughs> just, well, yeah, that, that's certainly just, true. But she also is she, most of the time she's voice of reason too. Maybe mm-hmm. not so much by the time you're where you're at, but she's just was she a full part of the team yet? She just joined up as a full part of the team, although ostensibly it's justifying Walter. Part. So, um, but um, what? What'd you just say? Justifying Walter is what she tells him. Walter's missing yes, at this yes, point. Yes. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. So you've um, gotten that far. I've gotten that far. But, uh, which, you know, he's Who's Walter? Dr. Moon. <laughs> Dr. Moon. Oh, okay. She, she, Spoilers. He, he, he's Is brain- that when he comes? Does he not come back from Melbourne? <coughs> I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because um, now we're entering territory I haven't watched. Yeah. But uh, you know they, they're bringing her. He's bringing her thing. He's bringing her this laptop. And oh, those my buddies. I need you to you know get into it because I think there's bullet holes in it. 
yeah. And he makes something up. And she just looks sad. <laughs> and then they bring something else. I was hoping you could do that. I'm doing the scavenger hunt. Can you hack into this phone? Okay. There's a case of wine in it for you. And, yeah. This is a military-grade encryption on how to rub banks. Oh. Okay. So no wine. <laughs> she, she's just so... There's a really, really wonderful episode. That really delves into her character and her backstory in the oh, next season. Yeah, in the well, next season, in season two. I love, he brings her the uh, the drug, and he says, "I need you to, you know, find out where this because because that's totally something the IT department would do. Is, <laughs> yeah, I can analyze the chemical compounds in this uh, syringe and tell you where the water came from in town. IT would be all over that. Sure, I'm going to suspend my disbelief. I'm still a little. Pin- yeah, but based on the <laughs> based on her, essentially, this has been a. Um, Audition for her, yeah. <laughs> and, but based on her capabilities up to this point, I think that they realized that she could that you wouldn't be able to take that to anybody. It, but Felicity's a little bit special, and yeah. she would be able to find out this information. So I'm, I'm still a little hacked off about the whole. I live 20 miles outside of town, bit, but uh, I'm gonna I'll suspend my disbelief. For that. So she goes, and she, you know, she, you know, it's, have uh, they gotten the variant open yet? No, not yet. That's Jeez, I think. I, mean, I thought it, I didn't realize it took that long. I can't remember. I didn't remember the, well, they, they, long. the guy caught it on fire in the last episode, so they had to rebuild part of it again. Um, but uh, <laughs> she says, I'm, uh, "My buddy's uh, wanting to do a sports drink, but I need you to analyze this compound. Why is it in a syringe?" I ran out of bottles, <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> Diggle just turns and walks off. There's <laughs> like, I am done with this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I ran out of bottles. <laughs> well, there's a reason why they bring her on board. Oh, I'm loving it. She's so great. And I love it when she calls him out later. She goes, you've told me some pretty whopping lies. You're not very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you should totally get back into it. Like I said, I it's, it's not best. If I, figure, if, I can, if I can figure out where I left off. It's uh, not best show ever material yet. Netflix? But, no. Oh. Because if you'd watched it on there, it still yeah, it would show me. <laughs> but now I'm, which is really great until somebody else comes along and watches episodes ahead of you, and then you've got to go, wait, whoa, 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 what happened here? <laughs> profiles. That's why profiles are good. Yeah, I probably should set that up. <laughs> After I kept Sarah and I kept stumbling over each other on West Wing, <laughs> trying to figure out where each other was. They finally introduced it. It's been the best thing. <laughs> to I need keep to set that up with my kids. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I get all these. All because you watch this, like, no. for you. Yeah. <laughs> But I have to I'm be honest. I'm not going to watch My Little Pony. There's a there's a part of me that you know, would screw up my roulette for just, sure. Just watching uh, Clone Wars screws up your well. Your and, and Mason and I watch Mason and I watch a lot of the uh, uh, Marvel. Uh, cartoon movies or animated movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so I get a lot of suggestions based on that. I'm like, uh, no. Because you watch this cartoon, you'll like any other cartoon on I do. I do go into uh, Netflix and, and rate things so that I, I've no longer started getting things other than <laughs> hitting one the other day. Um, Reluctant Dragon. But I have I have been paring back how many my suggestions for you I get that are ones that I've actually I've already seen. See, so. I've never noticed that ones I've, ones I've rated are still always... There. I, I get them a lot I find when I watch again, but even mine don't. I, I in fact, I well, I've rated. Uh, I think it's sixteen hundred movies now. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. But I think maybe I you have to reach a certain like, mark. I've seen this. Uh, I think it's weird when they <laughs> suggestions for you. Yeah, it's in my list. Of course, it's a suggestion <laughs> for me. 
Come on, Netflix. You can well, be smarter. If you haven't marked that. that you've watched it yet. Then you... <laughs> but if it's in my list, obviously I know I want to watch it. Oh, yeah, it's not, not perfect. Not taking a lot of work there. Uh, anything else, boy? We sure. Sorry, we're rambling no, a bit. That's all right. We're rambling a bit. Anybody else do anything fun this week? Audie's birthday party went pretty well. What do you get? A lot of toys. Star Wars? Uh, some. Some Star Wars? Some Star Wars. Uh, Anakin Starfighter Ooh. Lego. Uh-huh. A Lego. <laughs> a lot of Lego Star Wars. Uh, he likes those... Um, have you seen the Army Men style Lego? Like uh-huh. Star Wars Commando? Oh, yeah, I think I have seen that. They're, they're, they're literally army men, but they're Star Wars characters. So they take troopers, and they have the plastic bit underneath their legs, and they're all one color. Huh. So he's he, he got a lot of those for Christmas, so we oh. got a bit more of those. They actually sound kind of cool. Yeah, and you can get each special sets have special characters that are gold. So, like, Luke is gold, and huh. you can get different versions. And then there are little spaceships that you can put on things and make them fight, too. Huh. It's, it's really neat. Money bit. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so we got some of that. It was at the Children's Discovery Center, uh, Center this time, which I'd never been. Oh, you've never been there? No. I guess you didn't have any reason to go no. there. Well, <laughs> apparently, Audie loves the place. We were. It was nice being at some place that wasn't so noisy. <laughs> wasn't a, so noisy? Yeah, compared to like Bonkers or Chuck yeah, e. Cheese. Chuck and Cheese. Yeah, it's a lot quieter know, com- every, in comparison. Every time I'm there, there's thousands of kids. There wasn't a lot on Saturday morning. That's so. weird. I don't know. That's it. We had uh, basketball games, our first games of the season yesterday. And Caitlin, man, she rocks, but man, her team is. Oh. They've got four <laughs> girls that have never played basketball before. Oh. This was their first game ever, and it was rough. Uh, Mason's team, man, they are solid. I, I, there's a huge difference from kindergarten team to first grade team. These kids actually know what they're doing. <laughs> so I was, I was very impressed. So I think Mason's team is going to do really, really well. Caitlin's going to. She's having. She's going to have to take. A, uh, she's having to take a leadership role since she really knows what she's doing. And oh, that'll be good for her, so, though. Yeah, I think so. But she's one of those kind of uh, introverted type kids, so it's yeah. real tough for her to step up and say, you know, kind of be a captain or a leader. So, but I think, help I think her with the introversy too. Well, I think so too. It'll help her self esteem a little bit. Yeah. Uh, that's it. We haven't done much else. We had. Uh, oh, we did go uh, last night. We had. Um, Cub Scout night at the museum, which we're so new to this because I only did Cub Scouts in 35 <laughs> years ago, 40 years ago almost. Um, and so I don't know that much about Scouts and his Scout nights. Is the, he a tiger? He's a tiger is, cub, yeah. Okay. And his Scout nights are on Tuesday, so Holly takes him. So I've done very little with the Scout mm-hmm. stuff yeah. other than going through his book and finding things that can, we can do at home. We got Pine Derby in two weeks, and I have no idea, no idea. My dad's going to have to help us with that. But, uh, but anyway, we went to this Cub Scout night, and we had it. Can you build a TARDIS shaped car? <laughs> I don't know if it'd be I very aerodynamic. already a block of wood, so I <laughs> do much whittling. Um, but we went to this Cub Scout night at the Kansas National History Museum. And what it is is the Boy Scouts is a community service project. They do these different stations that you go to, and you learn about different things about Kansas history and about art and about. Um, Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts and things like that. And you go to these different stations, and they give you a bingo card. And for everything that you do, if you get a bingo, if you, you they get a stamp every station they go to. Mm-hmm. And if you get a bingo, you get a special you know thing. And, and he can actually turn the, all of the events that he did into his scout leader and get merits based on that. Well, we, we didn't know a lot of this going into it. 
and so we were just kind of going through the works and going to stations, and, and each column is a different level. Mm. You can do anything on there, all the way up to Weeblows. But we, our focus was to get the B column, the B and Bingo, because all of those were Tiger activities. So we did that, and we, as we were going to a couple other places that he wanted to go, little stations there, there was a lady that said, let me suggest this to you. She said, as a, as a mother that scouts and didn't know anything going into this, she said, do as much as you can on here, but try to do these things that are called citizenship things. And she said, the reason why you want to do citizenship ones is because one of the things that you have to do is go someplace that talks about uh, or that, 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 that you learn about um, history of your state. Well, you're already there. This, yeah. this is That counts as that. She said uh, there were a lot of other things where she, at, beyond this event, they had to like drive to places to do things. But things at the museum actually, because there were scouts there and leaders there that, that did stuff for them or did you know taught them stuff, they actually qualified as the citizenship thing. So it was a double through. dip. It was a total double dip. And so we went and hit all those things. He's already all he has to do is one more thing outside of this, and he's got his citizenship oh. for the entire Cub Scouts. <laughs> The entire wow. time that he's in there. So he's, he also, they said, okay, now go down here and do this. There was an, a room that had all these little art things you had to learn about. And um, so we went to these little art things, and we got he got he already got one of his belt loops. Because you get little uh, merit things for, on your belt loop. You put them on your belt loop for different things that you go through, different tiers. One of his art. He got his art tier just on, based on this one night alone. So it was really handy and helpful, especially for us who are we were we were behind anyway because Mason started scouts late because he had um, uh, soccer, and so he got, uh, ended up getting enrolled late. So he was already a step behind all these kids. This pretty much caught us up in advance <laughs> <laughs> beyond a few of the kids in this. And because we weren't, we don't, we were just so lost, just don't know what we're doing. So we got a lot of information, a lot of good. Uh, advice last night, and he he, he got really tuckered out because it was there was just a lot of learning because he yeah. he learned about the Pledge of Allegiance, he learned about the Kansas flag, he, it was all this stuff we were kind of pushing him to, <laughs> going, I'm gonna do this, do this, do this, get your stamp here, and so we, we really felt really good coming. We 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 were terribly lost and frustrated the whole night, but we came out of it going, wow, look at look what we accomplished here. So nice. Uh, so yeah, it was that was really neat. I'm still a little worried about this pine derby, but <laughs> coming up, you know. Uh, my Pinewood Derby car was probably the simplest thing. Always won. Yeah, that's what I'm. Ours is going to have to be simple. I think when wasn't fancy, was just literally blocked, slightly curved or slightly slanted. Waiting it, called it good. I think painted it like a Ninja Turtle. I think it's a one. <laughs> I think we are going to paint ours like a TARDIS. I'm going to paint it blue, put police box on the top. <laughs> I don't think it'll be just the block, but, <laughs> but it's about all I know how to do. But we'll take it to my dad's. He's done Jacobs, and he's done yeah stuff like that. So yeah, if you can install a, a helmet regulator so that it can <laughs> cross the finish line before the race starts. <laughs> uh, Marvel with friends was Saturday night. I missed it again. Oh, I keep forgetting about these things. And it was incredible. Hulk. Two behind. We were watching Poppy. <laughs> we were watching. Maze Runner. <laughs> How was it? <coughs> it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Anybody else show up? Yeah. Uh, Holly was there. Brittany was there. Rachel was there. I'm sorry if I forgot somebody else. I think that was most of them. I missed the gang. A lot of fun. I, I, I really enjoy Incredible Hulk. Two weekends from now? Two weekends from now, Iron, Iron Man 2. two. Yeah. A month from now, <laughs> Thor. Mm. <laughs> 
Should we move on to news? I should, should have jumped on the good part of this game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you and me will do a Marvel with Friends one night we'll when you're do, free. We'll do a Marvel catch-up. We'll catch <laughs> Marvel catch-up with Friends. Maybe uh, tweeting along will make Iron Man 2 better. That's true. Maybe with friends, <laughs> it will, it'll be tough. Uh, uh, it's not that it's a bad seen film. It's just that it's like Brittany hadn't seen Incredible Hulk before. Really? Yeah. She enjoyed it. Probably said it was the weakest of the MCU, but I disagree. No, I'd have to go Iron Man 2. I still really enjoy Iron Man 2. It's not that Iron Man 2 is a bad film. It's just that it's so... It's a tonal change. It's so not Iron Man 1. (laughs) (laughs) That is is honestly the problem. News. And Winter Soldier fixed a lot of Iron Man 2. But yeah. yeah. (laughs) Kind of retroactively. But it's like, oh. It's fine. Now it's okay for me to dislike you. (laughs) Uh, What? Oh. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we're starting with some 10 o'clock news. Why do we do that? What? Huh? Why did it start with well, 10 o'clock news? you always get the you don't wanna down thing. You don't want to end, end on a down note. But you guys can't call Kermit. You know all <laughs> this stuff, but you can't call Kermit. Nope. All right, lay the 10 o'clock news on me. Uh, director Fiona Cumming has passed away at the age of 77. She worked on over 34 episodes of the classic series. Including, uh, her first story was the massacre at Saint Bartholomew's Eve, and she worked on the Highlanders, the Seeds of Death, the Mutants, Castrovalva, Snake Dance, and Enlightenment, and Silver Nemesis. All of which I've seen except for Massacre. So it's uh, lots of thoughts and prayers to her family. It's an impressive body of who? Yeah, it's an impressive body of who. Started. Uh, she died on the 1st of January, so beginning of the new year, and we lost somebody great. Well, thoughts, prayers, and meditations go out to her and her family, friends and family. In other news, Russell T. Davies has been talking, uh, when apparently the BBC has offered to bring him back for the 10th anniversary and hear of the new sh- of the new series returning and here is his quote someone from the branding team sent me a very lovely email saying do you want to do something i know i don't know what they imagined a talk or a convention perhaps i just said no to be honest a program can't have its 50th and then its 10th i think it's just confusing it's marvelous and glorious let it carry on and i I think that was the, pretty much the exact same phrase I said last time we discussed <laughs> a 10th anniversary. I think we all kind of came down on that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad that RTD is staying strong to the, nope, I'm, I'm walking away. And he has a new show coming on the air. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's uh, just straight-up drama. It's interesting. Uh, one of the other pieces that came out of that was he, he admitted that Stephen Moffat has contacted him every year and invited him to come back and write for, for, for the series. Because uh, apparently, and he didn't say this, but the way that he answered the question, I could interpret that maybe it was one of those people that would very much like a return 
to the RTD stylings. It's like, well, why don't you want to, you know, have you ever thought about coming back? Or, you know, they, they were almost desperate to try and... and, and come back. He, he was very complimentary about it. The lovely Stephen Moffat, he asked me back every year to, to, to do this. And I've just, you know, I've not taken him up on it. And, you know, they said, well, wouldn't you like to? And he said, well, you know, I did Doctor Who for four years. I did so many years of Sarah Jane Adventures. I did so many years of Torchwood. And this was all running at the same time. He says, I think all told, he says, is something like... 64 episodes. That's a lot of ways to end the world. I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, I love you a little bit more. <laughs> just, you know. Not that I mean, he wanted to come back. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, We'd be yeah. celebrating. But just the fact that he was so complimentary about it. It was like, I, I just, I, I love it. And I love the fact that he dismissed this whole 10th anniversary new who, which did you notice they, they, they use in you who? Yeah, I've noticed that. Which I hate. It's a, it's a I'm going to throw this out trend. there, fans. If you're listening to us, please don't refer to it as new in you who. It's just, it doesn't need an abbreviation. Ugh. It doesn't need to be catchy and clicky. And it's, just, <laughs> well, it's bad enough that we've had to bring ourselves down to identify it as new who so that we know what we're talking about. Yeah. We always cringe when we have to say new who. But yeah. Let's not make it. Even worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it doesn't need a designation. But, um, Don't Twitterfy it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's not a hashtag-y uh, kind of thing. <laughs> but but just the fact that he, he so blatantly kind of dismissed it as, no, <laughs> you know, why, why would I? It's, it doesn't make sense. I loved it. It was great. Up next in the news, uh, Big Finish has announced that they're going to do an adaptation of Wizard of Oz. Not exactly yeah. Doctor Who related. You realize that if Big Finish announced here, anything <laughs> else this, that was not Who related, we would not be bringing this up on this on the show. However, because Sean is infamous for his panel that he moderated on the Wizard of Oz at Planet Comic Con two years ago, we felt the need to add it. Sean, I have one question about this though for you. Okay. Do you I, like I, I suspect I know what it is, but go ahead and lay it on me anyway. <laughs> do you like the Wizard of Oz? No, you've got to say it right. <laughs> do you like the Wizard of Oz? I got to do the head tilt. You too. get it a little slower. <laughs> do you? Do you like, like the Wizard of Oz? There you go. Now that's an appropriate uh, way to ask that question. <laughs> I did reboot my computer. I got cocked off the internet and I couldn't get back on. Uh, I, I, I knew we were coming I got up to it. Off too. I am too. Oh, are we? Yeah, I think we're all off. Oh. Well, I, I just didn't I think, want to reboot. I think I'm back lose on my tabs. I've got a signal now, but yeah. I didn't have any tabs open. But I knew we're getting to a part of the show that I will need to have a tab <laughs> open. So I thought I was panicking a little bit. I was like, sorry, I'm gonna reboot the my computer. The name Stuart Milligan looks familiar. Oh, uh, I know that name. He's gonna be in it. Why do I know that name? Stuart That's Milligan. Dan Starkey. Stuart Milligan. So there's our Who connection. No escape. I don't know. Bad guy in Lethal Weapon Three. Is that Stuart? No. Stuart Milligan. Why do I know that name? Imdaba. Keith. You, could, you have the internet. You and well, I, I just you, rebooted you my computer. remember that Keith and I had seen the last Hobbit film. So I, uh... You saw the last Hobbit film? <laughs> <laughs> What'd you think? <laughs> Was it good? Oh, wait. I've seen it. <laughs> and then some convention news. Unfortunately, uh, even Wait, we got somebody trying to contact us through Morse code here. So, uh, <laughs> beep, 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 I don't know beep, where beep, it's coming beep, beep, from. Beep, beep, beep. Sky Captain, a little bit tomorrow. <laughs> a thousand points. 
Uh, or is that Stuart Milligan? That's Stuart Milligan. That's the first thing that comes up. Who was he in? I don't know. Who was uh, he in Sky Captain? <laughs> go away. Go away with your electronic devices. I think it's your. It is your phone. You moved well, it way far away, and then it's like because I turned off the Wi-Fi and went uh, to four G. That's what it is. It's uh, right. It's competing with the, the computer here. I thought you were just shut the phone to, off. I thought you were just telling me to move on. <laughs> oh, he was Richard Nixon. That's why I know Stuart Milligan. <laughs> It was Nixon and Doctor oh, Who. I know who Stu. Uh, I know who I he met, is. I met him I know, again. I That's why I know who, I know who, who Stu Milliken is. I think he played Nixon. Oh, shut up! <laughs> in Day of the Moon and The Impossible Astronaut. Put your phone. I just away. did. Do I just you like? Put it to the I'm leaving this in so the listeners know how disruptive your electronic device. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, That's well, we can't, go, we can't go 4G while we're on the computer. I, well, the thing is, I switched it back off. Uh, I put it, it down. It's it, When it you picked f- it up, it was... Really? Yeah, it started uh, clicking again. Weird. Probably not yours. You're on AT. No, you're not on AT. I'm on AT&T. You're on AT&T. I'm on Verizon. Huh. Weird. What are, you, <laughs> what are you on? AT&T. AT&T? Yeah, AT&T. Is this, is this a British thing? <laughs> well, you know, I don't, get, I don't get any signal here, but... <laughs> Wonderful signal it's a phone. in the UK. It's because it's an iPhone, you know. <laughs> it's Apple service. Uh, convention news. Unfortunately, Eve Miles has had to cancel from Planet Comic Con. You didn't uh, answer the question, Sean. Yes, I, I do love the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I love the Wizard of Oz very much, and I'm excited that Stuart Milligan, who I'm presuming would play the Wizard. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. I bet you're right, um, and it's and it's the wonderful Wizard of Oz. So yeah, it's based I, off the novel. I, it appears to be a pure adaptation. I would hope so. Yeah. That'll be enjoyable because there have been many adaptations of the Wizard of Oz drama, and a lot of them stay true to the heart and story of it. But I think this will probably be even more so. so yeah, I, I hope. I hope. Fingers crossed. I hope it's at least as good as the Dreamer of Oz. Nobody. Okay. Nope. Nope. Sure. Sorry. <laughs> the, the, the Dreamer of Oz was a TV movie that starred John Ritter as L. Frank Baum, and it was about the struggles to get the book published. You said John Ritter, and in my head, you said Jack Tripper, which I couldn't imagine um, him in the Wizard of Oz doing Pratt Falls. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was it was it was, it was it was a good TV movie. <laughs> I'm one up on you there, but nobody else has seen that. (laughs) That's because he likes The Wizard of Oz. (laughs) Because I do like The Wizard of Oz. Uh, And you know what I found out? (laughs) That everybody on the panel that you moderated were also fans of Wizard of Oz. In fact, some of them had done some stuff in The Wizard of Oz. I I think think it spoke very well of their work. That not only were they, you know, this is why, listeners, this is why you should come to Planet Comic Con. Because These hard-hitting questions. I am that unpredictable, and I'll go there, and I will ask a panel full of people who've done nothing with their careers for the last 20 years except work, sweat, and bleed Wizard of Oz that question. Do you like the Wizard of Oz? <laughs> That's right. Especially when each one of them at some point in the panel had said, you know, I love The Wizard of Oz, and that's why I do these projects. That's why you should come. Sean drills down to the heart of it. Thanks. Hard-hitting. Not this, afraid to ask the hard questions. This is why I'm not in the news. Do because you they're, like The Wizard of Oz? They're afraid of me. 
You, get, you guys are afraid of me. <laughs> you, you have your silly little journalism degrees, and there's, there's it's this, this ivory palace on top of a glass volcano <laughs> that I can't get in, and I have my bag of rocks, and you won't let me come play with you. <laughs> yes, we will get Kermit so you can meet Kermit. Oh, good. <laughs> Convention news. You were going there, Keith, before I derailed it again. Oh uh, yes, more convention news. John Barrowman's going to be at Galley this year. <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> Sean gets to meet him. A can, whole can you do the Kermit? Kermit? There you go. <laughs> the drunken giraffe. <laughs> yeah. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Keith. <laughs> uh, and Kai I, for, honest, honestly, for for me, <laughs> that was a little anticlimactic. <laughs> With John Brown is going to be a galley. It's like, eh. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to see him in March. You know, with us on Facebook. And, uh, I think, uh, now you get a scene sooner than the rest of us. Yeah. So now you either get... It's John Barrowman. I know. Now you either Malcolm get less Berlin. autographed money for galley or more autographed money for Manic Comic I suppose what that means versa. is I'll, I'll be able to, to... What I can do now is I can split my attention... Because at Galley, you can get something signed from who and something signed from well uh, at, at Galley. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. at Galley, it's obviously going to be very who centric, yeah. Torchwood centric questions. Right, right. At Planet Comic Con, it's likely going to be more Arrow because of the other guests yeah. that are lined right, up with right. Stephen Amell and, and things. So, you know, I'll just I can divert my attention that way. I'll focus on Doctor Who at Galley, and I'll focus on Arrow <laughs> at Planet Comic Con, and it will it will all still be good for me. But Kai Owen, unfortunately, yeah. had to, has, yeah, has yeah. had to cancel it, Galley. And Eve Miles, did we talk about her? Yeah, I did. You did. did, we, did I miss that? She's yeah. gonna be. Was it in the middle of she this? Canceled. Oh, she, she. Oh, I didn't know. She, oh, I did know she. I did yeah. see that. I did yes. see that she canceled. It was in the middle of this, wasn't yeah, it? it was. I apologize, Keith. <laughs> I just kept going. Which means <laughs> even more so, Planet Comic Con will be more arrow-centric yeah, without the torchwood. Yeah, now. Without the torchwood panel. But that's okay, because we also have Karen Gillian. That's true. Might have upped our chances, though, to get a <laughs> panel with Barrowman. Uh-huh. I'm still not online. Was, I'm going to go reset my router. I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll talk about Time Eddie. Yes, Time oh, Eddie has... talk about Time Well, come here real quick. <laughs> come back. third feedback. Come back. Well, that's what I need my computer for. Well, I'm going to read the first I kinda, feedback. I kind of love that I don't edit this show much. So we, <laughs> we get all of the behind the scenes. The listeners get to hear all of the, the, the gaps and, the, and, and, and all, of the, um, all of the blemishes <laughs> on this show. That's why they love us, I hope. <laughs> Takes me back to the days of sitting around in the room in one rock band microphone. (laughs) (laughs) Or all the way back to you opening a bag of chips with a fan on in the same room for another podcast that we tried to get off the ground. Apparently that's a (laughs) (laughs) no-no. Who'd have thunk? Yeah. Time Eddie. Potato chips. Time Eddie has added Victor Pemberton, a name not often heard among Doctor Who. (laughs) But should be. Yes, because he is the man 
Go ahead. Who invented the sonic screwdriver? Yeah, why, why, it's, just, it's kind of pinnacle to, to at least I've a device that's him. been around for nearly 50 I've years. I've never seen him on another guest list. You know, I don't think I have either, but I've heard his name a lot because he, he wrote, because of the sonic screwdriver. I've never heard his name before. He, he was appeared, I was like, who's he this appeared guy? on screen. <gasps> he's that guy. I mean, in he's, the moon base. Yeah. So automatically, yeah. I'm getting a Cyberman autograph. Yeah. 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 I need to go make sure he, who he played. Um Script edited, Tomb of the Sky, Cybermen. And then he wrote Fury of the Deep. And the audio for Tom Baker, The Pescatons. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Well, so that's very exciting. Put that on schedule. He was a. (laughs) (laughs) The Pescatons. That's that one that I told you guys about a few weeks ago off mic, but I had uh, stumbled across and said that we need to do that. Now we have a reason. Put it on there before time, Eddie. Okay. <laughs> I, I knew you would remember. Send so. me an email. <laughs> oh, wait, I can't get online. <laughs> wait. All right, go set your, go go reset reset your maybe router. Maybe I can do it on my phone. Hold on a second. Go reset the router. Turn off your Wi-Fi first. Oh, that's we'll read news. some feedback while you're gone. Who else was going to... When when there's somebody else at, at, at Time Eddie? That, that was the only announcement this week. Oh, that's the only official announcement. We're still waiting for... Yeah. Yeah, okay, never mind. <laughs> Tell them they should come to Time Eddie. Come to Time Eddie. Thank you. Wichita, Kansas. In October. Close the link. No, I can't get it back. <laughs> well, we don't have internet, so... <laughs> I tell you the specific It's a good thing we can still record without internet. <laughs> Luckily, I still have my uh, email pulled up, so we can move on to feedback. I think I do, too. So if Sean's not back by the time we get through two of them, we're okay. First up in feedback is Phil. Phil, Odd Duck Phil, writes, comment, question, question, comment, the vortex done ate my feedback. <laughs> Sorry, Phil. Happy who, year, happy who Year Who Peekins. Listen to Late Christmas. I gave you my hearts, but, but the, the very next day you complained that it was late, late which I, I find ungrateful. Oh, wait, wait, these aren't, aren't the, the lyrics at all. I realized that a feedback with my thoughts on last Christmas, break it up, joke's over, disappeared down one of the interweb tubes I hear so much about. I talked about my new TARDIS cookie jar and how I think the actor to play Santa on Doctor Who, on a Doctor Who episode should be Brian Blessed. I also went on a bit about how I wasn't that impressed with last Christmas. I decided to take the last feedback as a sign that I should go back and try again. And maybe your review and reviews and the feedback of other listeners could make me see it in a new light. Alas, it did not. I don't know how we lost this I feedback don't know, because I read it. I read it ahead of time. His one that he yeah, talked about. I never saw it. Come forgot about it. Yeah, I, I, I saw it. It just. And I don't know where it came. Where it, it disappeared. It got lost in the vortex. Yeah. So I think I blame Sean. Sean opened the door. It got swept out into the vortex <laughs> and lost forever. Sorry, Phil. Yeah, I'm very sorry, Phil. I, I remember never, all. I of never this, saw it come through. I remember all of this. I'm not the keeper of the feedback, though. So. <laughs> I had it coming through my inbox. Oh, I don't know. I, I wish I'd have remembered and said, hey, where'd happen to Phil's <laughs> feedback? But I forgot. Once I get internet, hey, look, I have internet back. Maybe I can look into it. <laughs> uh, no, don't get me wrong. I don't hate this episode. It was good, I guess. But to use a Christmas analogy, I thought that packaging of the tree was an Xbox One or a PS4, <laughs> and I found it was a DVD in an oversized box. I was expecting something. That's cruel. <laughs> That is so me. Who did that to you? 
Oh, I do that all the time. <laughs> so me. Oh, I did that to Caitlin. Sorry. Although hers ended up being a tablet, but I got, that story? I got an iPad. Oh wait, it's a brick. <laughs> I tell you that story. I'll wait till Phil's done, and then I'll tell you okay. that story. I don't know if I told. Maybe I did. You'll remind me if I did. I was expecting something. I won't. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> I was expecting something truly amazing like Christmas Carol, the snowman, or the time of the doctor, and got the doctor, the widow, and the wardrobe. Aww. So why the lack of dun-dun-dun? One, the dream cab, crabs, a.k.a. DC's The Black Mercy, a parasitic <laughs> life form that makes its host docile by trapping it in a dream. Alan, Alan Moore's Superman story for the man who has everything and the Justice League Unlimited episode that it was based on did a much better job telling the story. That was based on it. Oh, yeah, sorry, that was based yeah. on they, it. They didn't write. A, <laughs> they did not write a comic book based on a Justice League Unlimited episode. Well, they could have. No, <laughs> Harley Quinn came from the series. So yeah, she did. You didn't know that, did you? I did know that. Yeah, no, I did. <laughs> and a dream within a dream within a dream. Internet's back. <laughs> well, I fixed the internet. <laughs> Sorry, Phil, that one was for you. Uh, well, I think Inception uh, did it better. I don't mind that Moffat is putting a spin on ideas I've seen before, but seeing as this is a Moffat story, I expect it surpassed the others. I expect it to surpass the others. Maybe I put too much. To put. Maybe I put him on too high a pedestal, and this is the price I must now pay. The other problem I had with the crabs, and this is while they were indeed scary and skittering around and dropping from the rafters, the first time I saw them attached to their victims, I started giggling uncontrollably. Something about the ridge on the back, on their back, sitting about nose height, and the crease where it can fold back to reveal the person's face. All I could see was a Muppet with its cl- eyes closed. What you said, wasn't it? Was, well, was, John yeah. said that. Okay. Spoilers. That was his reference in the beginning of the movie. Ah, right. Okay. Uh, I, once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. And when they got off the tables and started zombie walking, I half expected them to start crazy waving their arms like Kermit, introducing tonight's special <laughs> guest star on The Muppet Show. Yay! So... The fear I was supposed to feel was gone and never coming back. <laughs> I'm going to jump in here real quick. Have you guys seen uh, the the For the Man Who Has Everything Justice League episode? No, I no. have not seen any of the Justice League. Well, I've seen a few Justice League. You need to find... It's it's on Netflix. It's readily available. Yeah. Go find that episode and watch it. He is 100% right. I did not even think of that until after we had done our review, and I talked to Phil, and he mentioned that, and I went, oh, you are so right, because that story is so good. I've been waiting because I'm plowing through the... DCAU, so. But, uh, yeah, it's it's essentially the same thing, that uh, Superman has this parasitic alien attached to him, and he doesn't know it because we open and we're on Krypton, and everything is beautiful, and he has a son, and he has a family, and everything is glorious. And he's quite content to be glorious. And Batman, of course, is the one who comes to the... <laughs> <laughs> The, this the, isn't right. The Fortress of Solitude and finds out that he's there and he's intent on ripping this damn plant off of him. Just, you know. So, you, you can see where it goes from there. But. Sorry, get up! <laughs> yeah, he, he's right. It is a very well done version of that story. I'll have to go check it out. Uh, two. I don't know about the Muppets so much. But, uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see the Muppets. But. Somebody said that. Maybe that was the... <laughs> Maybe there were feedback, the, the, the feedback that was lost. <laughs> Phil, that was lost, yeah. 
Uh, Clara, I did not see the news that Jenna Coleman was coming back for Series 9 until after I'd seen Late Christmas. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> and prior oh, to did the we trailer... Sing? Yeah, we did. We did. We okay. yeah. You missed the singing. I missed the singing. Yeah. I was fixing the internet, Phil. Sorry, I didn't so. <laughs> Al Gore will be proud. You're welcome. <laughs> I was under the mistaken impression that she wouldn't even be in the Christmas episode. So I went from thinking that we had said goodbye to her in Death in Heaven to thinking Christmas was her song, swan song to finding out she's back for more. I really like Clara. I liked her with Smith and I like her with Capaldi. But I got it into my head that we were getting a new companion and I was all excited. I was all ready to move on with something new and different and we're not moving on. I felt that while she was good, a lot of the stuff with her and Danny was a retread of what had been said and done before. This was the third time she'd said goodbye to him, fourth if you count the funeral, though given how she reacted afterwards, she we probably shouldn't count that. <laughs> and I really, really thought old Clara was going to be our goodbye. And it was a great scene full of emotion. And then it was gone and she's back on the TARDIS. Oh well, maybe Magician's Apprentice will turn it around for me. Ah, Danny will show back one more time. They'll say goodbye again. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to rehash. The whole season is going to have been a dream anyway. So. <laughs> I'll be so disappointed. <laughs> I'm telling you. Nick Frost is Santa. Three. Nick Three. Frost Santa. Nick Frost is Santa. The best part of the episode for me. He nailed it. The two nail elves nailed it. And that's part of the problem. As great as they were, I think they were underutilized. Every scene they weren't you, in. You said that. Bogged down Sean. for me. And I think, and as all I could think about was, when are they popping back up again? I almost <coughs> wish this storyline. Sorry. <laughs> Bless you. I don't know what that was. I don't know what that was either. <laughs> it was a sneeze You cough. thought it was a sneeze. It was I a thought sneeze, it was a cough, I, choke, something. I bullish. I thought a face hugger flashed onto his face. I thought his head was going to explode in every <laughs> sneeze, cough, fart. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Did you just add fart into that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every single thing possible, and boom, he's gone. You remember that? Could ca- you survive it? If everything <laughs> that's like that's the, that's the prevailing idea at the that exact you can't. same time. Oh, Do you ever read Calvin and Hobbes when he asks his dad, you know, so if you had to sneeze really, really hard, but you plugged up your ears and squinched your eyes closed and your nose and your mouth, would your head explode? Would your head explode? He says. Either way, I'm scared to try it. <laughs> and his dad looks at me and says, I was kind of hoping it was a math question. <laughs> I apologize. Continue. <clears throat> uh, I was almost. I almost wish the storyline had been used in another episode. And I think it could have worked well without the Christmas element. And we'd gotten a real Doctor and Santa episode. And why did the Doctor act so curmudgeonly towards Jeff? Smith, in a Moffat episode, no less, made it sound like he and Santa were buds who hung out every now and then. I get that 12 is not 11, but friendships the Doctor had seems to have weathered regenerations okay. But other friendships the Doctor's had seem to weather regenerations okay. I just, it just didn't sit right with me, given, that, given what we've seen before. Like I said, I didn't hate this episode. It's not like you guys in a town called Mercy. I actually liked this episode, but I was not blown away by it. And the fact that I was expecting to be blown away, getting my uh, getting a merely good episode was a bit of a letdown. Oh well, I'm glad you all liked it, though. Odd Duckville. P.S. Now that I know someone else who has seen Avatar and Korra, I can finally say, 
my cabbages and Zoo Lee do the thing and rest easy knowing somebody else gets that. <laughs> PPS. And the part where Dane loses his helmet and he just starts headbutting helmeted orcs and they're <laughs> dropping like flies and he's not even phased by it. Squee! <laughs> That was in Battle of Five Armies. Yeah. <laughs> hey, did you know we saw that? Did you go see that yet, Glenn? Yes. Did you like that part? I don't know. I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Up next is Eric. Uh, is he? Yep. Yep. All the way to the top, Sean. This one. Okay. Eric writes... Dr. Snake Who, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying About Aliens Based on Earth Creatures and Love the Mara. A thousand points for that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey guys, feeling better yet? I haven't been able to watch any more Series 8 lately, mainly because my wife has had a bit of a craving the last week or so that Keith can probably relate to. Replaying all of our Lego games. We've been working our way through (laughs) Harry Potter years 1 through 4, to be followed by years 5 through 7, and The Lord of the Rings. Hopefully after that we can get caught up on Who again, or mostly caught up since we don't have access to last Christmas. I actually started uh, Lego Batman 3 today. So did Mason. Not today, this week. Beyond Gotham? Beyond Gotham. Is it Beyond Gotham? It is Beyond Gotham. It's pretty fun so far. I'm only like four levels in. Continue. And while we're on the topic of video games, Glenn, it has seemed to me that while grinding for fragments in Legacy, that every time I set a goal for a certain number of a certain color fragment, that the closer I get, the fewer I get in a playthrough. I doubt this is actually due to the game being coded that way. I think it's just us trying to blame bad luck with the RNG or something more purposeful. Humans are good at that. I have to say that I'm looking forward to Bigger on the Inside, if only because it means more levels to play through and get fragments and no new characters. Hopefully, it will all be fragments I actually need. I would have to agree with you, Eric. In playing this week and farming for um, time fragments, it did occur to me that I think it's just my perception that I feel like I'm getting less, because the more I need, the the less I feel like I'm getting. However... I did find a level in the fan area, which doesn't net as much um, uh, experience as the Ginny level, but uh, flash forward, good man goes to war. For some reason, and it might be just something that's just, it's happening this way and I'm not, I'm just noticing it. For some reason, I seem to get, you get about 5,000 less uh, experience, but I seem to be getting a lot more fragments. And I think it's a, one of the, you know how on on the level it shows you like, uh, what fragments are most probable in that level? Um, it's a green and, and red one, but I, I get just as many blues and I get just as many blacks in it. And I seem to get, like, sometimes I'll play a level and I get some, and sometimes I'll play a level and I will go any items. That one I have, I played all week long and have gotten a at least one time fragment every time that I've played it. And it's a quick play if you play it with power up levels, and I've been bringing characters in to level up because I'm getting, like I say, about 5,000 less than Ginny, which is a good one to farm uh, experience from. But in this one, I'm getting, you know, quite a bit of experience for playing through it. It is five waves, but they're really quick because if you've got a really powerful team with one weak person you're trying to level up, you really power through them. So I would suggest that if you're looking for both time fragments and experience, that's a good one as well to pop into and play several times because you will build the experience. And for some reason, every time I've gotten, I mean, at least at least one, 
And most of the time getting up to four and five time fragments of different varying colors. So mm-hmm. that might be a suggestion. I'll have to go back and, and try that because I, I have my, my team and went all the way back to whatever it was, <laughs> season seven, five, uh, the first one. I don't remember now because, well, they've actually reset it. Did you notice that? I did notice that. Um, they said the they had something one, that was causing yeah, a weird a bug, glitch. So they reset it back to season, but the, the next three are still chaptered. But yeah, there was whatever the first one was, and I was going through looking for for specifically black fragments, I think it was season seven. and kind of had no. my seven, six, five. yes, yeah, yes. seven, uh, and had my uh, you know this one gives you a black one, this one gives you a black one, and I have not gotten any. Like I literally played like I don't know seven, eight, nine, ten levels that were purportedly to give you black fragments. Oh right, right, I see what and you're got saying. no yeah. black. Yeah. Fra- I didn't That's get I didn't get any too. fragments of any color. I think I got one red one. The oh. rest of the time see, I got I, nothing. I seem to get a lot when I go back. I just don't get the one I'm looking for. And and I, I think maybe it was because I had already farmed those levels pretty extensively, looking for those black fragments. Yeah. So maybe I finally ran out. I agree with Eric. <laughs> I don't think that I don't think that the the game is programmed that way. I just oh, it totally is. <laughs> And I should know because I fixed the internet. <laughs> I know um, about coding. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> not really. I can't back that up. I did drop some more since we're talking legacy now. I did drop some more um, uh, expert level characters now. Oh so, wow! Yeah, I've gotten uh, I got the tenth doctor. I got um, the ninth doctor. River? Did I tell you guys I got River yet? I got I River remember. at some point. Um, yeah, I'm only missing three doctors in the doctor level now, so in the wow. doctor screen. So that's impressive. That is uh, impressive. Well, it's I mean, again once you get your people leveled up, you get the right teams built. It's it's a lot easier to do the expert. You know, I, I remember six to eight months ago when they added the expert levels, and I went in there and tried one. And at the time, I think there was only five, and I went in there and I tried them, and I was like, "There's no way I'll ever be able to do this." Now I'm at that point where I'm like, "Okay, well these are manageable as long as you've got the resources." So. <laughs> It's still tough, but I'm doing it. Continue. I wasn't what reading. You read? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot. I was reading, wasn't I? Oh my gosh, it was just five minutes ago, too. <laughs> I, I, you think I'm kidding? I brained it. You know what? There's no school, so there's no reason for his brain to be active. Yeah. It has turned to slush. By the time he goes back to school, he's going to be drooling <laughs> and staring blankly at the board going, Urgh. I like the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, Sean. <laughs> continue. I felt bad that he kept getting interrupted. I wanted him to be able to continue with you. Were I, I did take time. you quite a ways off tangent on the uh, talking about lit. Uh, you got me excited. Legacy. I was like, oh, it's time for the legacy segment of the show. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't done one of those in about an hour. Um, you know? <laughs> I was going to save that, but then he brought up all that stuff. And I, okay, we'll talk about it now. Uh, okay, where did I leave off? Um, now on to the Mara archive. <laughs> First oh, wait, off. Are we reviewing the Mara this week? Sean, you've been rather critical of Tegan in the past and her lack of adventuresome spirit in Season 19. I seem to recall you going on about it in your review of The Visitation. Now, considering that Kinda directly precedes that story, can you sympathize with her a bit more? After all, she got entangled with the Doctor by accident, lost her aunt... Oh, Keith hasn't gotten that far, has he? (laughs) (laughs) And, And got possessed by a giant snake demon. Can you blame her for wanting to go home? He won't remember, so... 
<laughs> Did she want to go home? <laughs> no, he won't remember the visitation. He no, can't no, remember I do re- that he was reading. I do, I do remember the visitation. The visitation's the one with the rainbow trout. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you know, until you pointed it out that it happened in that order, I, I don't know that I'd ever really considered it. It's just Tegan had always been kind of the whiny, I want to go home companion for me. And Honestly, for I me, think, walking away from both of these stories, I had a better, it, it did Tegan better service. Yeah, I, don't I, remember, I think so, yeah. I don't remember well either about our reviews, but I think I kind of came to Tegan's defense a little bit. In the sense that she'd gone through oh, a sure. lot. Oh, sure. Set yourself time. up so, to be the good guy. So I, I think I'm, I certainly think that I was probably. Um, Listeners, go back and listen and let us know. <laughs> um, that's a very, really, that's an interesting question. Um, and, and, you know, I. I don't know. I've, I have never watched the Tegan stories in sequence. It'd be Ever. an interesting uh, exploration. Watch yeah, all of yeah. the Fifth Doctor's era, really, because it blends together so well. Which maybe we'll put that on the <laughs> schedule at some point in time down the road. We're uh, we do have to do a Tegan uh, companion archive at some point. Yeah, I, think we can. Um, I, I will. I will say yes that I can see that maybe that uh, I, in retrospect, based on that, I could have been a little harsh, <laughs> and that I will reserve further judgment. Until I go back and watch them in the proper sequence. How about that? Is there that fair? Go. Fair enough. But yeah, I can't really blame her for wanting. I mean, come on, you're in a time machine. <laughs> you can go anywhere in space and time. You kind of have to expect the odd possession. It's just <laughs> that comes with the territory. Twice. <laughs> so, as I said, no, it's an extension of the same, <laughs> same, same, same event. Yeah. It's just a, a, a you know. Separated by time, but not by. <coughs> yeah, you obviously did a, a, a piss poor job fighting him off the first time. With the <laughs> <rock>. <laughs> oh, still, still hiding in the dark little recesses of your mind, scratching at the walls. Yeah. Um, it really is a shame that Nissa wasn't properly written into this story. I think there were some last minute changes to Sarah Sutton's contract, etc. But have any of you read the post on io9 from this summer about Nyssa? It was basically the poster's idea of a fanfic about how to realize Nyssa's potential as a character better. But I'm hoping someone at Big Finish read it and wants to write it as a companion chronicle. It's essentially Nyssa's hidden story of season 19, in which she plots revenge on... Oh, you haven't gotten that far, have you? Keith, you are forbidden from reading I-9. I guess I won't go read that article. During Kinda, she only fakes being asleep, but actually borrows the TARDIS and Sonic Screwdriver and goes off on her own for a bit. I'll tweet you a link later. Which she did. Oh, and here's a question for the ladies in the audience. Was Nissa flirting with the Doctor at the beginning of Snake Dance? I wasn't sure. I'm about as obvious as the Doctor about this. Or I'm about as oblivious as the Doctor about such things. Was she flirting? Was it it just, kind of seemed like it could, I, you, it could be per, taken that way. I, I mean, I, th- I think it was just new outfit. He, she was being flirtatious, but I wouldn't think she. I don't think it was romantic flirting. Does that make sense? I think I th- she was I being flirtatious I'd, in the just kind of playing hey, look, fun with him, but not necessarily. Outfit, not yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. I don't think it was. I don't think it was in any sort of romantic flirtation. I think it was just being sort of. 
I like how we're going to jump on this question when he specifically asks the ladies. That's yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Ladies, um, let us know. Yeah, ladies, let us know. I, 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 w- I would like to believe that if it was romantic flirtation that she would have picked a better outfit. <laughs> because... Uh, I almost took it as she, she put on this hideous outfit and thought, I'm going to see if the doctor's going to say something. That, that's the impression. Hey, doctor, that I what do you think of this? That's the impression that I maybe get. the pre- maybe the previous scene that we didn't get to see. She tried something low cut and flirtatious, and he didn't notice that either. So she thought she'd go the opposite direction with <laughs> with this. I don't know. Now, well, ladies, are we done? <laughs> yeah, and, and another thing. Let's go. <laughs> Continue, Keith. Now on to the elephant. <laughs> <laughs> now on to the elephant or giant snake, as it were, in the room. The Mara. Glenn and I ought to hate the Mara. We all know of his disdain for aliens based on earth creatures, anthropomorphic or otherwise. (laughs) And I've declared before to be on his side in this matter. But there's just something about these stories that prevent me from coming down too hard on them. It could be because Kenda was one of the first full Doctor Who stories I ever saw, and I didn't have such high standards on alien designs back then. It could also be that they're just darn good stories that it doesn't matter. And judging from some of the comments... Uh, of Glenn that I've read and heard, he seems to agree. I'm not one for squeeing too much, but I will admit that I squeed when watching the Torchwood episode with the fairies when Jack told Gwen he thought the fairies and the Mara were related. This puts me in a bit of a pickle, so I'm going to fix it. (laughs) According to the Humanoids entry in the TARDIS core wiki, there have only been a couple of theories, there have been a couple of theories as to why there are so many species that look like humans, or as Ten would say, look Time Lord as they came first. One is that Gallifreyan evolution was relatively early in the history of the universe, and they caused a morphic field that interacted with the time vortex, causing humans, kingdom, manusans, etc. Another is that Rassilon intentionally meddled in the gene pools. Now, what if snakes were originally just on Manusa? When the Mara, uh, when the Mara was first formed, it took its appearance from an animal they knew and feared. While the Mara ruled with the crystal, it had immense power that let it transcend time and space through the dark places of inside, which are everywhere and timeless, and gained power over other worlds like Earth or Devaloka, causing snakes to evolve there, and influencing the cultures, which is why so many worlds in these two stories came from Buddhism and Hinduism. When the Mara was banished and lost the crystal, it was weakened and can only take root on Devaloka due to the psychic powers of the Kinda, which it exploited. Eventually, they were able to lock it away in the place of the wind chimes until Tegan came. There. Fixed. An extension of that would be why, uh, in the biblical story of yeah. the Garden of Eden, why the why Satan took the form of a snake and was cursed to, and the snake was cursed to uh, continue to crawl on its belly. I mean, it, it really kind of makes sense because that's, for some people's opinion, is the genesis of Earth and the, and the creation story and the snake being relevant there or the serpent being relevant there as well kind of lends to that as well. I kind of thought that's why they chose a snake for the design of the creature to play on that kind of... Quite possible. Well, especially in the once Tegan gets uh, mind controlled over and is she's throwing stuff on the guy like from a tree it looks like throwing apples even. Yeah. I mean, very allegorical. It was. Um, and to answer your question, I'm, the, I, I'm actually, Eric, I'm coming from this in the exact same perspective as that n- knew who, <laughs> not in you, but in <laughs> who, <laughs> actually is what has soured me on the anthropomorphized or 
alien creatures based on snake an- or based on earth animals thing is because when I was a kid, this is when I saw these as well, and I was very untainted by that idea back then, and so that was a very cool idea. And so I was uh, these these stories were not they, they're not a detriment because of that idea that I have a problem with that now. New who really kind of cemented that idea is the fact that we seem to have used that so much, and especially RTD's era of using earthbound creatures to represent you know alien species and so having seen this prior to that that was already kind of grandfathered in for so this, this gets grandfathered in and I, I can understand that from you know the, the the filter of nostalgia but also from the standpoint that by this point since we can do so much different yes, and exactly. better yeah. effects do different why better. shouldn't we do different and better effects yeah. so I, I can buy that well, it's not like it was a stand-up walking and talking snake either. Well, yeah, no, this wasn't anthropomorphized in any way. It was, no. it was, yeah. When when we see the snake, it's very snake-like. But again, it's that idea. I, I, and I, I, it's he's right. I don't just have a problem with anthropomorphized uh, animals. It's also using any sort of Actual representation of, of an earth-based creature being the idea of behind a, a alien creature, which could, or in my opinion. This explanation aside, which is really good, is laziness. I mean, there's, there's there's no reason why you can't come up with something, like Sean said, especially nowadays, come up with something new and original, different. Yeah. Other than... Same can be said also for having just humans everywhere. Unless you're making them specifically human, change their look enough... Or a little bit if you're visiting an alien planet so yeah, that they don't no, look that, exactly that comes, humanoid. That comes from that... We've been doing science fictions for so long and that everybody looks. The well, same. Yeah, I mean, we've they've, yeah. they've established that there's just other humanoid species in other parts of the universe. Well, that and Star Trek really kind of took that to the <laughs> nth degree. But again, with, that was that oh was, look, I'm, I'm an alien because I have a nose. That was a limitation. Right. There was something. A, that was a limitation yeah. again, though, of yeah. costuming and makeup and special effects. I mean, you just you, you couldn't effectively do it so well. And so I think that's been kind of just, that's been the basis of why. Sure. I mean, uh, you know, I, I I totally get it. You, you put the producer's hat on and I understand it. But then the, there's the, the, the sci-fi fan in you that's like, really? You're just going to paint dots on somebody and call them different? Uh, you know, there's just... That's better than not do, painting dots the on them to and change calling the, them different. Uh, Klingon's appearance. Well, they finally had the money for yeah, that. Exactly. But, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. Well, no, they had crazy eyebrows in the original. That was different. <laughs> but I like the uh, I like the how he's he's That's kind of expanded on yeah. the uh, Wikipedia um, causality and, and expanded on it as well for the Mara. I'll get more into that later. Uh, all in all, these were two great stories. I really like it when the enemy doesn't have a body or uses the bodies of others. It makes for good drama, and you have to wonder how the Doctor is going to beat it without hurting the essence. Oh, and I tweeted the other day about how I cannot see Macaulay Culkin and Snake Dance. Not. Or can't not see, see Macaulay Culkin and Snake Dance. I also have to say that in Kenda, I can't not see Joffrey from Game of Thrones when I see the aspect of the Mara that begins to, that, that tortures people. <laughs> <laughs> I think there were some tweets about that. Well, here we go again. Down to the wire. Will I make it? Eric. And you did. And you did. You did. Thank you, Eric. Up next in feedback... Holly. Oops. I went back too far. She was one of these. <laughs> and Holly writes. Does she have a subject line? Kinda and Snake Dance. 
Hey guys, I enjoyed both Kenda and Snake Dance. I have to say that Tegan getting taken over by the Mara instead of Nyssa was probably a good idea. In Kenda, I really liked the old woman that helped the doctor along with the scientist lady figure out what was going on with both the Kenda and the Mara. In Snake Dance, I really felt for Tegan and that she's and that she's reliving in her dreams what happened to her when she was under the influence of the Mara. Then the reveal that the Mara is alive and well on Manusa had me wondering at first if it was just some other alien feeding on Tegan's dream and him finding out that oh and then finding out that it wasn't the case had me interested on how the Mara survived and happened to happened onto it in Kinda. Happened to it in Kinda. And what happened to it in Kinda? The doctor wanting to help and forcing the issue of what Tegan's nightmare was about and Nisa trying to stop him shows the doctor's concern and something tells me that in the back of his mind he already had an idea as to what was going on and who was behind it. Lon and his mother and the whole thing with the Great Crystal helps to ramp up the action and a possessed Tegan is just as frightening as a possessed Perry. <laughs> I think I've lost count as to how many times companions have been possessed in the run of the show. Well, I'll wrap it up here. Looking forward to hearing everyone's thoughts on these two stories. Holly from Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Thank you, Holly. Thank you. And last, but certainly not least, Chrissy. Chrissy writes, These muffin-flippin' snakes on this muffin-flippin' plane. <laughs> Dear Vortex Boys, a word about Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime by extension. I used to have Netflix, but I switched over to Hulu Plus because Netflix never had anything I wanted to watch. Hulu, for the most part, has new things that I want to watch. I can keep on current seasons as they air, rather than wait for Netflix to get them after the whole thing has gone out. I know a lot of people complain about Hulu Plus having commercials and such, but I think it's worth it. Now, commercials don't bug me on Hulu because they have a countdown to how long the ad breaks will be, which are not, never longer than three commercials at a time. Shakes out to about two minutes or less per break. So they aren't as annoying. So if the cost of having brand new episodes on Hulu Plus is that they have to air commercials, I'll gladly take it, especially if I don't have to pay out the nose per month. If you think about it, if you have Hulu Plus, Netflix, and Amazon Prime, you're still paying less per month than you're, you'll be pay, you'd be paying for a full-on cable or satellite subscription, which can get pretty pricey. And you can get all the stuff that each of these services have exclusive rights to. So it's a win all the way around. Just a thought. Chrissy, normally I would agree. I, I, could, I could see your arguments Except for when they insert commercials in shows that don't have commercial breaks. Like classic Doctor Who. That's where I had the major issue. Also. It just feels weird and jarring. I think I'm used to it because I've been with Hulu for so long. That could be. I'd even... I, I would agree with that. And I, I wouldn't, a lot of British televisions like that on there. I wouldn't mind a commercial break. If they did it in the beginning. If they did it... And the end? I'm fine. Just don't break the show because it wasn't intended to be broke. Well, do they do they air them in omnibus or do they air them in episodic? It's episodic, episodic. Then yeah, put the put the commercial. I'll even go so far as to say I'll even settle for a longer commercial break between episodes. If you put it in that break versus each. breaking into the middle of a show that doesn't have a commercial break, there. That's I agree. That's I'll tell you, it's just a little bit in their defense. Quite frankly, I I've been watching Classic Who on there that I don't own, and the commercial breaks. It's not like it. They I'm come sure in the middle of the action. They, they, they really fit yeah. in between scenes. And so Hulu does a nice job about that, and it doesn't really feel like we've broke the commercial in an odd place. So I haven't ever had that problem. However, 
that's coming off of Daily Motion because I had watched some classic <laughs> Who on Daily Motion, which just must have a time, time. point. Yeah, yeah it was where, And it will drop right in the middle of the middle of action. Cut away the commercial for at least three commercials, sometimes up to five on Daily uh, wow. Motion, and then come back right in the middle of action. And so I think maybe my perception is coming from that. <laughs> I don't notice it on Hulu anymore, but I think Hulu Plus has done a good job of identifying where the natural breaks are. And so it's not all, so if jarring. If they're doing that, it does make it the less only exception The is, The only the exception is... <laughs> The only cl- exception is where the I was watching um, the Wrong Man's on Hulu Plus, and the they what? had a, the Wrong Man's. It's got um, uh, Greg uh, Craig from uh, Closing Time and oh. um, what was the other one? The Lodger, mm-hmm. and I can't remember the other actor's name. It's actually quite a James Corden. James Corden and uh, Craig. I don't know. Yeah, Craig. I don't remember <laughs> the other. Anyway, I'm so bad with actors' names. Anyway, and uh, but there was this one part in there where the commercial break was. Horrible, and I did uh, do that. Okay, you weren't paying attention when you set up commercials <laughs> for this, but I think somebody must sit and watch those and go, okay, here's a natural spot for a commercial break. Because you can see the lines. If you look at the bottom where the, the, the timer bar is, it mm-hmm. shows you where you're at, your progress bar in the episode. And you can see that a lot of times when you bring up a classic Doctor Who, for, for example, you can see where the little lines where you're going to hit a, a commercial break, and they're never even. So you know, it's obviously not increments. Somebody sits there and do set, do set though. Oh, some good. of them might be a little, little, the little sections between the line where the breaks are going to come are, are clearly different. You know, they're different lengths and varying yeah. uh, sizes of that, that progression bar. So <laughs> I think they must sit down and do a little bit of to Yeah, That makes it a little bit better, but I'm still opposed to it. Uh, she continues. Anyway, we're talking about the Mara this week. Can I just say how much I love the Mara as a villain? I love the, the psychological terror that this creature can cause and how fun that can be in a story. The Mara is something I wish writers for New Who, she spelled it correctly, would come up with. A good story for because... So, I wish the writers for New Who would come up with a good story for because it would be amazing to see what they could do with it nowadays. But we do have Kinda and Snake Dance, which are both so darn good. Kinda. Here is where the setup for the Mara gets uh, for the Mara gets going, and it's just about perfect, if you ask me. I love that we get all these different points of view of both the Mara and the Kinda, because we've got Team TARDIS in all these different places, and experiencing the planets... Uh, in many different in different ways. I guess they couldn't come up with a scenario for Nyssa, which is why they locked her in the TARDIS for this story. And this is my only complaint about Kinda, honestly. I guess Sarah Sutton was on holiday or something. That's what I'm going with. The scenes with Tegan and the Mara in the Maraverse are so creepy and so well done. It looks like something that could be done with today's technology and the fact that and the the fact that it's thirty plus years old, that's impressive. The side characters were wonderful as well. Dr. Todd was, is basically an older version of Nyssa, and her dynamic with the fifth Doctor is one of my favorites. Pana and Karuna, the old woman and her apprentice, are fantastic as well. I love Pana's attitude towards the Doctor, calling him an idiot. <laughs> Even the two guys in the dome going mad, while not my favorite characters, are still enjoyable. Overall, this is one of my absolute favorite stories, if not my favorite fifth Doctor story. Snake Dance. Kinda is the Mara in a remote jungle world. 
Snake Dance put the, puts the Mara in a more advanced civilization, which means the Mara can infect, reach and infect a lot more people and cause a lot more havoc and mayhem. That's sort of like in Thor, the mystical supernatural aliens from Asgard attack a small town in New, Mes- New Mexico. And then Avengers, the aliens are, escalate their attack to New York City. And it's hundreds of times worse. I love that we get more of the mythos and origin in the, Mor- in the Mara this, in this story. I love that we see its home planet of Manusa and how Manusans remember it in their festivities. Like Kenda, the side characters are so good here too. Lana is one of my favorite one-off characters in the Fifth Doctor era. He's a total dork in the beginning, but he gets more and more interesting after he's infected by the Mara, and it's a treat to watch him devolve, de- devolve. While also getting to do, getting more to do. Speaking of getting more to do, Nissa truly shines in this story. With Tegan under the Mara's complete control, Nissa gets to s- gets to set up and be the fantastic companion that she's. Uh, that she is, and makes me wish we could have gotten more of her doing great things in the TV stories. The Doctor is great here, too. He's so manic and different than anything his usual, uh, than anything his usual calm demeanor. That puts so much more emphasis on how dangerous the Mara is, and raises the stakes for the civilization that otherwise isn't too worried about the Mara at all. Plus, that scene toward the end when the Doctor meets Dojin and performs the snake dance. I love the Doctor's inner monologue about how all these bad things have happened are his fault and he has to make it right. It provides a unique look into the Doctor's view of himself. The things that he worries about and what he's afraid of. We don't get to see that very often. And then he goes in and stops the Mara from taking over Manusa with one of the best endings of a Doctor Who story. Simple and quiet and poignant. As Tegan is freed from the Mara's control, and she shows just how horrible it really was, Make up, makes up for some of the over-the-top screaming that the cliffhangers of this story had. Overall, this is one of my absolute favorite stories, if not my favorite Fifth Doctor story. No, wait a second. Wait a second. Nope. I stand by both statements. <laughs> well, that's enough for me tonight. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts and discussions on these two wonderful stories. Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy. Well, let's move on to our reviews of Kinda. The Doctor arrives on the paradise planet of Delva Loca to find the colon- uh, colonial mission on the verge of collapse. Several of its members have vanished into the jungle without a trace, leaving the survivors suspicious and paranoid. The mystery deepens as it becomes clear that the planet's native inhabitants, the Kinda, suppose, uh, possess hereto unsuspected powers that challenge human understanding. Meanwhile, the Doctor's companion, Tegan, becomes possessed by the Mara, a force of pure evil that lives in dreams and preys on fear. Dun, dun, dun! A resounding dun-dun-dun from the three of us. But. But? But. But. What's your but? This is a story that shouldn't work. <laughs> and when you, I, I would agree with you, when, when, you, yeah. when you When you look at it, and we spent a lot of time on Friday Night Who. What? What? what why is this guy insane? What is wrong with him? What is going on here? 
why is Adric being stupid? Oh, well, never mind. We know the answer to that. I just... <laughs> It's, it's, it seems so disconnected at it first. Is. It's so disjointed that it, it it almost doesn't work. You've got the colonial mission going on. You've got uh, uh, Colonel Hottie is the only th- name that he's like, <laughs> He reminded me of the elephant from the Jungle Book. <laughs> oh, we're going to go off in here and have a mission. Okay, here we go. And he's going to go off and do his thing. He so, sort of reminded me of uh, Commander McBrag. Do you remember that? was a cartoon that was sometimes inserted in underdog cartoons. Oh, yes. And he was the guy that always, always was telling the story to the guy. He'd be sitting in a chair, and they were a nice, proper gentleman. Yes. And he was always telling the story to his friend. And then, of course, they would flash to the story that he was telling. He was within the story. And he just had that air, you know, that, that English air of, of, of bragging, essentially. Yeah. And that was, that. I just kept seeing Commander McBrad. Now Commander that you McBrad. say that, that's all I can see now. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> thanks. And now I'm not the only one. Yes. But so you've got these guys, and and you know obviously the, the commander is not fit to lead this mission, and his weaselly first lieutenant is not fit to be in charge of anything. <laughs> but the first decision he makes is, well, I'm going off. You're in charge. It's like, oh god, here we go. And boy, that and these just... re- slightly ridiculous modes of transportation. <laughs> it just opened the floodgates for this guy to become crazy i mean there's no other word for, well you know, if, if he didn't go actually mad he would have gone power crazy there's there's a couple of really to. good words but i can't use them because we're, <laughs> we're, we're we're a family show he he just goes nuts so you've got that whole thing going on you've got the crazy modes of transportation with this gigantic robot that's tromping through i i looked at the design of this thing and i went there's absolutely no way Anybody that practically with does not make a, sense. Half a brain would have gone to the jungle with you. <laughs> the, 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 this just you know the ADAT, the all-terrain armored transport. Sure, I can see that in a variety of different environments because it's kind of a you know it's an all-terrain vehicle. It's got legs. <laughs> this one, not a chance. <laughs> so obviously, one of these guys it was in charge like of setting the mission up. Yeah, it looked a lot like a war machine. But one of these guys had to be in charge of setting this mission up because they went, well, what's the most impractical thing I can think of to bring with me on the Jungle Expedition? Oh, ooh, the XT-9470's out. I want one of those. So they bring this thing along, and it doesn't. Okay, whatever. And then you've got the Kinda, which the story is named after. Right? They're kind of a footnote. They're kind of there to facilitate things. So we've got the, at least up until we meet the old lady. Yeah, and then, we, we, then we've they, got mental powers. Focus. Yeah, yeah. We've got mental powers, and we're sort of telepathic, and we're locked up, and we're sad about it. That's pretty much what you get for like three episodes. And then the Mara and Tegan stuff is going on, and poor. I, I you know, we, 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 I suppose we can touch on this because we. I thought we discussed this once upon a time. I don't but, know if we ever discussed it on <clears throat> Mike. That she was. Um, I thought we talked about this when we did um, not Ark of Infinity. What was the 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 second Fifth Doctor story? What's the second Fifth Doctor story? Uh, uh, Fort of Doomsday. Fort of Doomsday. When we reviewed Fort of Doomsday, which we all loved, um, and they they commented that that was supposed to have been her her out right. that, that Nissa was done, that was it. Yeah. and that Peter Davison fought very very hard for Sarah Sutton and right. for Nissa because he felt that she was the companion of the bunch yes. that was so much more closer in temperament to what his doctor was going to wind up being, and that was the first one that was filmed in that block even before Castrovalva, and so getting on, on the heels of that, they already had this story ready to go because Kinda was next. Um, and she wasn't in it. 
because they had planned on writing her out. Well, then they went ahead and kept her, but they couldn't rewrite the whole script in order to incorporate her into it. So that's why it's, oh, she has a headache and she's going to go lay down on the TARDIS and not really be used until, that's, you know, the, the next exactly following what, story. What, and she was not on a uh, holiday. She just was not, they weren't able to use the character. Yeah. So. And it was what Big Finish then utilized for that one story, right? It was her going and lying down was that catalyst. For, am I remembering that correctly? That that's why it was that psychic issue. But they they said it was a psychic issue. Oh yeah, yes, right, right. that's yeah, what they. Right. they yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes, and, yes, and apparently that one that tied very heavily into Trocken. Well, we, in, we are not done building exactly. on that either. The big that, finish continues to. Okay. Yeah, we, we haven't yeah, got to that but point. That's, but where, this, that's where this this came from. That's yeah. where that came from. So the, the big finish is retconning why she a had a headache, the <laughs> issue. Yeah, <laughs> which is awesome. So, you know, unfortunately, Ness is not in it, but then we get Tegan, and she's off doing her thing, and, and the Mara comes into play, and we've got this weird, trippy sequence in the mind of, the, of what's going on, and then we get a possessed Tegan, and none of these elements seem to make any sense. None of them have anything to do with anything else that's happening on this planet, and the Doctor seems very unconcerned about Tegan <laughs> through most of it. That, ah, she's off in the jungle. She's okay. She went back to the TARDIS. She's okay. Oh, I hope she's all right. Oh, she was laying down underneath the Dreamweaver? Hopefully she'll turn out okay. I've got to deal with the crazy people. (laughs) So you look at this on the surface and you go, what? And this was my first time with this one. I had never seen this before. So I'm watching this, and I know that you were a fan, and I know Chrissy's a fan, and I'm watching, and I'm going, why? (laughs) Why is everybody like this? This is horrible. This is not a good story at all. There's a- and then the fourth segment came along. <laughs> <laughs> and it took all of these individual threads and kind of went and looped them together into this bright, beautiful bow. And it suddenly made sense. And it was awesome. And it was intriguing storytelling really once you got to that point. Yeah. And it made sense of everything, all the chaos that had come before. It wasn't just that we were putting this in here because we didn't know what to do with it. It was because there was a rationale and a legitimate reason for everything. I was like, oh, even the jungle walker, (laughs) (laughs) even that is something to do. And a lot of it was due to the old woman and her apprentice. And just beyond awesome for that character and for the interactions. And it reminded me of uh, what was the what was the third Doctor story where they were down on the planet with with a poisonous atmosphere and uh, pop up where'd he go? What was the name of that one? Uh, the mutants. The mutants. Yeah. There was that one character in the mutants that was kind of the leader of the. That's what she really reminded me of. I kind yeah, of kept flashing back yeah. to that to that element because she kind of served the same purpose. Right. But uh, well, and then there's Doctor Todd, who's such a good character yeah. throughout the entire thing. That's. <laughs> I know we tend to say this a lot, but that's somebody that could have made a great companion. Yeah, yeah. She she certainly she she's the scientific element. She's the scientific scientist element of this, whose hands are tied due to bureaucracy or due to governance, but has completely different principles and ideals of the the uh, leadership that that she's under. Unfortunately, because she's constrained by the rules of why she's there and who's in command, 
It's it, it, it ties her, and I and I've always kind of liked those characters that have yeah. a little different principle or moral outlook on things, and they even kind of as she did kind of skirt the rules a little bit, you know, just so much that she can get away with it, and not get in trouble for not it, not necessarily or the, very offensive. Yeah, not yeah. necessarily the flat out rule breaker who's going to go. I disagree with you and go off and exactly. do their own thing, but the ones that really genuinely feel like I am compelled to do this. It's but not because that. it's the right thing right. to do. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, I agree and, with you. And I the, like the, those characters. The, the reason why I'm here is more the means for why I have to put up with all these rules and regulations, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And I've always liked those type of characters. I want to address something because I in retrospect, I understand what you're saying about the problems that this has at first. Until you get to the kind of the, the thing that kind of lets everything go and you you, you realize what's going on here. The one thing that I disagree with you on is the second-in-command guy because I think that the, he's a bit tropish in, this, in the sense that I think well, that he, he's the antagonist he, he, until you well, realize what's really going on. Not even that. He's he's immediately comes across as that second-in-command that really wants a leadership role. Yes. And I think that's played very nicely. And he is also that second-in-command that, that does everything wrong because his leader or the, the man above him in rank – is always pushing that person, even if they did things perfectly, they're always trying to find those one those few things that they did wrong because that's only going to make them a better soldier. That's only going to make them a better compa- commander in the future. And I think that the, the, that relationship comes across a little bit between uh, Captain uh, Picard and Riker in a way. Now, a much sub- yeah. subtler uh, evidence of this, but um, Picard is always looking at the little details that Riker does wrong in order to make him a better commander later on. And I think and that has always come across to me. And the insanity isn't there so much. And he's more of a, to me, kind of a bratty guy. Because he doesn't feel like he deserves what's being heaped on him by the commander. And so I think I, I've always gotten that impression that until he takes over and there's a clear there's clearly something wrong with him not that he's going insane but something is influencing him and there's an outside influence i think that's obvious enough that i don't have a problem with that escalation and how this guy goes from level of being bratty second command to insane. I, I, I think that ramps up slowly. So I don't have. I agree maybe, with all maybe of I just looked at it differently because he, he starts off very much in that. Well, I ought to be in charge. Yes, you know, and he you think he's going to be the power hungry second in command who can't wait to get his opportunity to shine, and then does, and immediately is like, okay, I know where we're going with this, right. but then it doesn't go there because that's, of the insanity. I think maybe problem. that's what threw me. That's the problem is that that element of the story then gets dropped off and not explored because we have yeah. to introduce the outside influence right. that's causing him to go. I think that's what threw me is I expected it okay. to go this direction, and he went insane and instead, and I was that this means- is Said, to, that's know. what I've always wanted was a little more of a slow progression in that part. Mm-hmm. But based on where we have to go with it in four stories or four episodes, yeah, yeah you don't get the chance to tell that story. This is one of those it, – it's, it's funny that as, as we started this endeavor, I couldn't tell you – in fact, I always believed that I hadn't seen a lot of the Fifth Doctor's era on television. And it's the more that we go into these and I watch them. Now, these I knew I had seen as a kid, both of these. But there were a lot of elements to this that I thought I had forgotten. And when I watched them, it was just all right there. And I realized, oh, yeah, can I do it? it was, we did that before Doomsday. I sat there and went, I couldn't remember anything about that story. But as soon as everybody came on the screen, I started remembering 
exactly what this story was. It was, it was kind of that way with Ken and Sake Dance, knowing that I had seen them, but I thought I had forgotten more than I did. And it wasn't until both of these stories, as soon as we set up the players and everything that's going on, immediately I remembered everything about these stories. And I find myself, as we watch these Fifth Doctor stories, realizing I saw a lot more Fifth Doctor as a kid than I thought I did. And I've probably seen nearly everything that, that you know, I just, I thought there were a lot more holes in this. This is one of those uh, two stories that I remember back as a kid thoroughly enjoying. And, 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 and really with Kenda, although there's a lot of visuals and there's a lot of excitement, and, and I guess there's not a lot of action in the story, but the the atmosphere of it is so hyper. It's so yeah. hyped up. Yeah. It's so big that I think that's what captivated me when I was young. And so I've always kind of liked this story. Now, Snake Dance, I think, tells a much more clear story than Kenda does. Because Agreed. you're right. You're very confused as to what's going on in uh, Kenda up until to a certain point. But I remember as a kid just being very captivated with what was going on. And I think maybe I, I relished in the confusion of it. And and since then, I've gone back and seen this one twice since then. And each time, I still have that just weird just joy of watching it because it, it just seems like a really engaging story. And it every time, it really is. And even the snake. I mean, I, I had until <laughs> until this viewing... I have always liked that really cheesy looking snake. I didn't have a problem with the snake at all. No, I didn't either. As a kid, I thought it was cool. The set, on second viewing, I realized I saw the puppet. You know what I mean? I just I, the, the, they revealed the, the curtain was stripped from my eyes, <laughs> uh, and I remembered it being more cool and realistic as a kid. But then the enjoyment of the story is still at a level that you kind of overlook that. And then this time, I, again, I watched it for the for Friday Night Who without the special effects, even though I could have at that point put the the new effects on it, and still was just amazed by the 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 visuals in this story. And then I went and watched the special the special CGI that they did to add it, and I went, it elevated it so much more. It was even more cool. Mm-hmm. I didn't just watch the part with the snake, but it was even cooler. But it, I, but I, I sat there thinking, well, this looks awesome and incredible, and I wish this could have been this way all along. But it didn't ever step back. And as I thought about, it, I thought it didn't matter because the story is so engaging. And everything yeah. in this is, is just really, I don't want to say fun, because it's not a fun story. It's not what you think of as a, a fun romp, but it's such a high-energy story. Which is, it's captivating. It's, it's captivating. captivating. It, it is. Really and is. It's, it's interesting that you say that, because that there is a lot of kinetic energy happening within the story. Which is another element that shouldn't work, because when you analyze it, it's about telepathy and mind control and the, the dark places of, 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 of dreams. That's that's not something you can really visualize. No, you know, really those are all concepts this, that are in, especially in the storytelling that they were able to do in the classic series. Yeah, it's and, especially difficult to do. And so that, that's, it's it's yet another, uh, I, I think, high mark achievement for it that it can take those kinds of concepts and give us a visual to go along with them that may have been a little chaotic at first, but then gets to that point where it all suddenly does tie together and make sense. And you even get some of the, the, the cliched to Dr. Who moments about a bomb that's going to go off and blow up the, you know, the whole base. But meanwhile, we're constructing a box fort. <laughs> <laughs> Just, 
You know, what I've always liked about the bomb thing, too, is a lot of times when you watch a show, and especially on rewatch, and you under, you know what's going to happen, you kind of lose that element of suspense. Yeah. But this is one of those stories that I'm that, that always seems to keep that element of suspense, suspense for me, that there is a bomb that's going to blow a 50-kilometer size hole. Yeah, this is not a little this bomb. Base. <laughs> this is a big bomb. It's going to blow a hole in this base. And every time I still have that anticipation of... You know, are they going? Is he going to go up there and push the bomb? Is he going to act or go up there and push the button? Is he actually going to do? And very rarely can you get that, especially on a rewatch of a third time. But I still feel that 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 anticipation and 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 just oh no, yeah. It was it was very much a forehead (laughs) slap when you know what what have you done? Well, I've wired up the bomb. Here you go. And he gives it. It's like (laughs) oh my gosh, we're all dead now because he's going to is he going to push it now? Is he going to push it five minutes from now? Is he going to push it at the end of this? When is he going to... He could, this guy could do this at any time. And that's one of the things that so works in the story's favor. And yeah. I was the not expecting it to work. There. Keith, you've been really quiet. No, I've been I, I, this. I'm sorry. I, I've agreed with everything you said. It's just... Which is astounding. That we're <laughs> <agreeing>. <laughs> and it's just one of those... It's also one of those stories that... I have a heart. I, I really enjoyed it throughout the entire time, even when I was confused. I just, for some reason, have hard times forming thoughts and opinions on it because it was fun. I enjoyed it. It was a good story. I, yeah. <laughs> That's all I got. Well, well and, and I walked away from that going, the first part of Peter Davison's run was really strong. Yeah, when you look at it in order from... Uh, uh, for the doomsday and this, and it's like, wow, he had a really good go- way to start off. But then looking at the list, it falls off with Visitation and Black Orchid. Spoilers, <laughs> he's not there for much Castabella. <laughs> or look, no, yeah, Castabella. Castabella. You got it right. <laughs> well, that's not the one you have trouble with. <laughs> and I, I just walked away from it going, well, this is one I would probably recommend to somebody who is curious about the Fifth Doctor's era. It's that just good. And I agree with Chrissy that the visualization of the dark places of the mind and these people in this dark area with Tegan looks phenomenal. Yeah. And I had no problem with the snake at the end of it. I thought it looked great for 1982. It's another one of the the, the visuals of here we are trapped in our mind. It was another, oh, God, here we go again with this kind of thing. But it wasn't. It was different. It was done differently. And it shouldn't have worked. But it did. That's that is the, honestly that's I keep going back to that, but that's the thing that I really am having trouble wrapping my brain around is how did this work? Yeah. <laughs> it's it, you know it's the game plan that the football coach drew up, and you went what? And then he scored the touchdown. It just there, there, there's no way this should have worked on paper. And I'd like to meet the author and crawl inside his brain for a little bit because <laughs> it shouldn't have worked, <laughs> but it did. I think that's a that's that's a, a real testament to good storytelling is to break out an outline of something and have a beginning point and an end point and how am I going to get there and have so many just really high concepts and really kind of connect the dots in that last element of the story and make it really work and this yeah. is this is one of those stories that does that when everything kind of starts to fall into place all of that chaos as you're describing just really kind of makes sense. It's like, okay, we got there. We had to get through that, but we got there. But you still told me a really good story and that had all that high energy, as I, I said earlier, and kept me engrossed and enthralled so that when I got to the payoff, 
it works. Yeah. And it, it really does. It truly is a puzzle that if you don't know the image and in the last 50 pieces, you see it. Yeah. yeah. The uh, You talked about the little thing that, that he gets in, the travel mechanism that he drives in. It, it's, it's, it's funny to hear you say that about that because until now, it never bothered me. But it was one of those things. It was one of those things, though, again, uh, relying on my the, the, the uh, memory of my youth, it was one of those things that was, as a kid, you're like, hey, that's a really cool vehicle. <laughs> Not, never mind that it doesn't make sense. <laughs> It's really cool. You get into this thing. It rolls around. It's 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 it basically it's, it's an it's, exosuit. It's the it's the exosuit from Alien, which yeah. was realized much better. But it's, but it's, it's a power loader. Yeah, exactly. And so maybe uh, if we had landed in the base first and no, because it makes sense that if you don't know if the air is breathable, that you get in the suit and go. So maybe if they had done it that way, where we don't know what the outside's like yet, and they get in one of these things and go, and we later learn it's safe. It would have been a little better. I, well, it also safe, makes though, me wonder, point, though. They commented that the longer you spend exposed, right. the, the more you uh, can yeah, be affected right. by stuff. It also makes me wonder, though, too, is if it if you're supposed to suppose it's a holdover from the um, Federation getting there in the first place. It wasn't the Federation. The Federation was sneak dance. But the, the, the people getting there in the first place. Just part of regulation. Oh, the yeah. And, 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 and that being more utilized in the fact that we don't know what this atmosphere is. We don't know what this terrain is going to be like. So this is kind of our, our tank that we use. Yeah. And then later on, as we come to the point where we're introduced to this story, it's just now just being used as... as Movement, you know, essentially, I'm going to drive this thing across. You know, it's our moon buggy. Once we decide that the moon is no longer volatile, or <laughs> now we just it, we use it as transportation. And, and and saying in that matter is I, obviously I'm being very very harsh on the thing. Yeah, but it's, it, it, if this is the biggest complaint with the story, yeah, really. I, it, it makes it makes so much more sense to think of it in those terms. And again, as a kid, that would have been the coolest oh, thing awesome. ever. <laughs> Because of the thing, and you get inside of it, and uh, even Adric can drive it, kind of. <laughs> also, this even, is even Adric those, in the story isn't that bad. Well, this is one of those situations, that, and I and I I hadn't remembered this until now, but was one of those things that I think I remember. Adric has never been a favorite character of mine. Even when I was a kid, I recognized that he was kind of just useless. Off. But yeah, off. But this is one of those stories that I do remember when he sides with Second Command, and I can't remember the guy's name, and he's going batty, and he re- actually sort of agrees with him. It, it is realized that unlike um, State of Decay, <laughs> where he sides with the vampires, and then later tries to explain why he was just trying to get in with him, in this, this one, one, it is more of a, he's using his ability to... Kind of, he's basically infil- yeah. He's he's infiltrating the enemy in order to play uh, spy or basically double you know side in order for the benefit of the doctor instead of against the doctor. And I even remember recognizing then that he was doing that for the benefit of trying to help out by infiltrating by becoming palsy with that guy so that. He later could help the doctor, and that's conveyed it's, more it's in this one. And it really realized then, and it really yeah. does. Um, Elevate him just slightly. Well, this is for, for that <laughs> artful dodger that we talked about so much that was the attempt to write him as. This is one of those instances where it's like, oh, I get it. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the, I, I see where you're going with That's this. But I'll be honest, my first reaction is, it's just like the vampires, man. He's going to betray you all over again. <laughs> and I, I would assume that a lot of people 
that watched this for the first time probably felt the same way that they went. Oh, there's Adric again. Well, and then he <laughs> trying to save his own neck. But that's what helps the character also is that you then see that it's he's not just trying to save his own neck. I, I don't know how much do you not want to be on Team Tardis? I'm going to side with the crazy guy. <laughs> you know what? Leave him. Just 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 leave him there. <laughs> I almost wonder if it could be done. We, we talked a little bit about, about the doctor. Uh, I don't remember her name, but the the the, the scientist Dr. lady, Todd. Todd. Um, I almost wonder if this could have been given a quick last minute rewrite. And as much as I out. to swap out Doctor Todd for Nissa, you could have given a I think a fairly good chunk of her dialogue to yeah, Nissa yeah. from the scientific exposition yeah. standpoint. I think you still you would have, have lost Todd, that. Todd yeah, you needed someone on the doctor side. Yeah, yeah, and you needed somebody within the organization that sympathized with, yeah. with the doctor. Because I mean, yeah. essentially, the, the the overall thrust of the story, I don't think, would have changed too much because they still would have wound up in jail together, right? And, and and had those kind of exchanges, and they would have been paired up together, which I think would have worked well. But you're right; you would lose that, you know, somebody inside working against them. Unless you maybe gave that to Adric. I don't know. Maybe yeah, it, it would have it would have still required a pretty massive rewrite of it. But oh yeah, how about, I just kind of wonder if that would have worked. How about the uh, little box device that was only supposed to work on the men and make them <laughs> go into that childlike state that, that that everybody did at some point, except for the doctor? What'd you think of that? I was okay with it. He's- Oh, well, did you, looked at, you looked at the box? Not, not with the fact that it didn't affect the doctor, because I thought oh, it was just, the, just, the, just the idea of that box that, that, that the old lady and then the apprentice had sent with, you know. I, I, it's enough of those things stuff to, going on that well, at that point, I just, okay, sure. It's still yeah. one of those things that always stuck out to me, though, as a, like a sore thumb when it happens and I think, I don't know what to think about that box, <laughs> that there's this box that, I mean, the control you could have over men with a box like that. <laughs> insane. Women would have advanced much faster in, in, in our society if they just had this box, you know? Just kind of turn men's main brains well, to mind. You know, considering that most of the kinda that we saw kind of wandered around in a dumb childlike <laughs> state anyway. Maybe that's, maybe, maybe that's why the wise old woman was the wise old woman because, you know, she, she, she's been passing the box around. I, I also like the idea of this um, race of people or species of people that are connected they, they don't speak that they're connected in such a way that they they don't even it's not even like your typical telepathy where we're talking to each other in our heads it's like the communication is even more nonverbal than that mm-hmm. and i always i thought that was kind of neat that's yeah. kind of a neat premise to have a nice a, take on it yeah, yeah exactly to the point where when one you know the prophecy is revealed of the one who does come and speak that right. everybody kind of loses it because it's like right yeah <laughs> you know i just the prophecy's real which both of these stories actually have a uh, prophecy element to them. Yeah. Any good Doctor Who story should have a prophecy in it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> even if its silence will fall when the question is asked, there's got to be a got to be a good hook there. I forgot we had a prophecy there too. Anything else on uh, on kinda? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, kinda. <laughs> sort of. Sure. Should we move on? Maybe. To, should we? Should we kind of move on to the next one? Yeah, let's kind of move on. Are you proud of me? I waited till the very end to get that joke. Yes, <laughs> it was a struggle, especially Friday night. Who? Oh, Hashtag kinda <laughs> snake dance. The TARDIS makes an unplanned landing on Manusa, where preparations are underway to celebrate the defeat of the Sumaran Empire five centuries earlier. 
But the ancient evil of the Mara lives on, and Tegan, who has been hunt- haunted by disturbing dreams ever since her time under the wind chimes on Devaloka, is now a pawn in its plan to re-enter the physical world and subjugate the Minutian people. Only the Doctor can stop the Mara, but first he must convince the authorities that he is not a deluded fool who believes in children's fairy tales. Dun, dun, dun! dun. Sorry, I was a little late. Mine was as enthusiastic, though. <laughs> you seemed a little off. No. No? I, I, I really enjoy this one, too. Very, very solid storytelling, I think. Um, and having Tegan kind of from the get-go. <laughs> I noticed this maybe more because of some of the big finish. It seems to be a Fifth Doctor's thing, where through most of the first episode, the doc, Team TARDIS is doing one thing, and then we're following these other people for no reason, it appears at the time. That's a good point. We had that in... A lot of strange editing is what I kind of chalk it up well, to. I, I like, watch these and I go, why are you cutting back and forth between this? Why couldn't yeah. you have given me five it, solid minutes here? Big finish, And they've gone here. Yeah, but they I do. I wonder if they do that. They do that too. because yeah. of this, yeah. And so it starts off with this kind of disjointedness also. But by the end of the first episode, it hits the ground running. Once Tegan gets into the marketplace and is fully taking over and then in the Hall of Mirrors and all this great stuff. with, And then her and Lon together. It was just so much enjoyable in this that I don't have, again, not much to say about it because I enjoyed it so much. Uh I think the if I'm going to nitpick, the snake on the arm is not as good as it was in Snake Dan- uh, in Kenda. I like that design better. Um, but then seeing it become 3D was kind of neat too. Yeah, I wonder why even they couldn't though, use a real snake. But. Even though it was obviously an inflated snake, I still think the effect for what you've got yeah. surrounding oh, it worked yeah. really well. But it, my my complaint with it was more the when it was flat beforehand, it looked more like. The other looked kind of like a cool snake tattoo. Well, whereas this looked tried to look like they put a sticker on their arm. That's what it was. Is before it was actually makeup. It looked like a painted yeah. on for Kinda for a snake dance. It was looked like a sticker that they because yeah. it was shiny too. Yeah. Which I think if if it didn't have the shiny element, to it, it might have been I think a it would have been a better looking yeah. than than Kinda because I've always noticed that Kinda looks very painted on. Whereas this one looks a little more snake-like, like realistic, but then you've got that shine every time the studio lights hit it. See, I didn't mind. I didn't mind the shine. Other than it didn't look like the one from Kinda. I kind of wish that it, if it had had the shine in Kinda, I'd have been fine with it. <laughs> yeah, this because I, I liked the. I, I liked the Almost shiny snake. S- I just thought it was kind of cool, but it looked very much like a sticker. You know, uh, so half a dozen one, six of the other. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I liked seeing the Doctor so energetic and so frantic in this story. It was kind of refreshing to see the Fifth Doctor this way, since we don't see him like it very often. It's it's a very nice change of pace. And Nissa gets some nice things to do, despite that one scream that was unnecessary. Which we said she's better than that. And shame on you, writers. <laughs> we finally got a companion scream, though. Yeah. Because <laughs> everybody but the companions were screaming in this one. For the cliffhangers, anyway. Which I'm okay with that. Yeah. Especially when it's Nissa. I don't... I just don't Think of her higher than that. 
She is not a screamer. It really has to be for me. And that wasn't an instance that warranted a scream. Yeah, either. that's just it. It really ha- for, it, for Nissa either. to break into that. It's got to be something truly terrifyingly bad is about to happen. And even, a guy approaching you with like a sword is not quite it. Yeah, yeah. Just, even the dramatic. Just you didn't need the scream. Period. It, it was a dramatic of enough moment of we're going to kill you. It was a Doctor Who cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> Kids are overanalyzing it. I just like it when they don't always scream. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Strong, well-rounded characters throughout. I think. Um, I think uh, a lot of back and forth. That's really good. I think that the, the one of the things I like the best is is. Um, Janet Fielding's performance in this. Yeah, she does I a think really good job. Even though I think some of that voice is, is dubbed over, she's just very convincing. Her, the lip syncing is perfect. When she is that kind of when they mischievous, switch voices, and, yeah, yeah. When she's kind of that mischievous, diabolical, having fun kind of you know initial thing that we got there at the beginning, she's just so she does it so well. And I think that Janet Fielding must be a very very good actress. I think the problem is you pigeonhole her into this. Tegan character that we've we, we've yeah. all bemoaned Tegan at, at times. I think overall Tegan's a decent character. Don't get me wrong; I'm not putting Tegan down, but I think she kind of gets pigeonholed because of the type of character that she's playing. Yeah. And so to see her yeah. to be able to step out in both of these stories and kind of do something a little different, especially in this one, it's really kind of refreshing. And, and Janet Fielding kind of gets to use her acting chops basically yeah. and and do something a little different. Absolutely. As I said before, these two stories help me appreciate her character a lot more. (coughs) I would agree. And why she kind of is the way she is and why she's kind of whiny and wanting to leave the TARDIS so much. I totally get it now. And I think if I... I think watching them in order would be a huge benefit for her character arc. Well, now it's more apparent that she uh, (laughs) will allow it now. Well, except for the first one, (laughs) except for how she gets aboard the TARDIS. (laughs) Yeah, you can't watch that one yet. (laughs) That's, there's a lot more to say for um, uh, Nissa's character by seeing how, how all that comes about than it is really Tegan. But uh-huh. yeah, um, yeah, I wouldn't know. You won't, you won't appreciate Tegan much in uh, Castro Valver or Logopolis. Logopolis. Well. But either way, this you, you know what you know going to be the most immensely. awesome thing ever is when we announce the remake of Logopolis starring Benedict Cumberbatch, <laughs> <laughs> and Glenn has to say it. I cannot wait for that moment. Benjamin Cumberbatch <laughs> You've already in gotten it wrong. Legopolis. Legopolis. <laughs> Legopolis? <laughs> I, I did it on purpose. Oh, that's not nearly as funny. <laughs> um, I know it's Bernard Cumberbatch. <laughs> <laughs> the production design... This is uh, we're going to go on production design and talk about Doctor Who. <laughs> I loved the, the bazaar. It was so good. Now, the one big establishing shot, and I thought to myself, "Wow, that's a really impressive set." You remember when we talked about Happiness Patrol and how much we bemoaned the fact that they tried to make that one section of the city look yes. like it was several different streets? Yes, this worked. Yeah. The way this one was shot. Now, I could still tell that it was one big set and that they we, we recut a lot of the, the chase, especially. It's like, <laughs> there's that booth again. It didn't matter because it was so well, well put think, together. And, and, and it kind of goes into the bizarre trope, too, where you see in a lot of films and things that 
you see the similar style tints everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> I think what helps this one though is the element of color because all of the different all of the tints are very colorful and in a different pattern and sort of way, and you're able to kind of manipulate those colors and yeah, change they, them around yeah. so that the tint looks or the the stain looks very much different than the last stain you saw because the color patterns are, are quite different. So I think that that lends to the. Uh, visualization of being able to change it up. See, honestly, I don't even yeah. think they went that far with it. I oh, think oh, I, th- yeah, I they think did. they built one set and then we just we, they, they, we, we did the overhead shot. Dressing. And then you know we we would now inside a tent. Sure, that's obviously no, a different, no, I, a different they, piece they of they set. The but when when when, when she's paused in front of this tent versus that tent. In my head map, I could visually tell you exactly where each one of those was at, but it didn't matter for the storytelling because it was so well done. And I'm just—I was picking out on that because you know, film geek. But uh, you know, it was just—it was really well done. And I love the fact because this is written by the same guy, right? This is um, Christopher Bailey who invented basically the Mara. Yep. Yep. Okay. One of the things that I thought both about Kinda and Snake Dance was the wonderful use. Of these other um, religions and and, and cultures yeah. that are very prevalent throughout this, that in Kinda we get a lot of Buddhism and and Taoism and, and and those kinds of things, and that in Snake Dance we're in a bazaar, what appears to be an almost Middle Eastern style bazaar, with Indian influences, and then the the, the palace guards were almost Japanese with you know the Asian uh, helmets and things that they had going on, and pirate outfits that Lon shows up and he's, he's wearing this big flowing thing and it's like no civilization anywhere sure. developed this way but okay I'll buy, just because it was so well done again it was it's it's yet and he managed to once again I agree with you this is a much more straightforward yeah. story in in the way that it's told but it's another one that on the surface it shouldn't work when you, when you really kind of start to, to, to dig down at it despite the fact that it's more straightforward and 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 kind of laid out there You've got all these desperate elements like, was with the crazy old man in the desert? And you keep cutting to him, and he's not doing anything. But then he becomes uh, super then, important later. You know, I almost, I pretty much forgot about him at that point. By the yeah. time he comes back, and it's like, oh, okay. There's the crazy old guy in the desert again. <laughs> well, kept seeing frankly, random shots of him. this one kind of does the opposite of what Ken does, is we start with three episodes of structure, and I hesitate to say a fourth episode of chaos, but the, the those things the, start falling into chaos. Exactly, we, yeah. we kind of have that. That yeah. uh, it's a little more. The storytelling is still good and solid, but it's a little more disjointed because of what's happening. Because the the because the uh, Mara is is getting to the point of materialization, and now there's this you know. Uh, uh, Mystical thing that's happening now, after everybody, well, after the archaeologist has been denying this all along, it's going to happen. So we almost have a, an, an opposite uh, direction of yeah. it. But it still works because by the time you get to the chaos, we've had this build up to it. And so it all makes sense when it all kind of comes to the fruition at the, at the, in the last episode. And I, this, I abs- I'm going to jump to the end. I absolutely love the way that this ends because we don't end up back in the TARDIS. We don't end up with a, a quick wrap. We don't end up with a, okay, everything's fine and we're off to our next adventure. We have that, the doctor comforting Tegan after she has just gone through this process of, of, of the possession. And it's just just some real poignant, I don't even exactly what he says, but the real poignant words that he says at the end. Yeah. And then credits. I thought that was so well done. Is and, it gone? Yes. Yeah, exactly. That, that, I mean, that's it's really just all you can. Simply, 
Wow, so we're done. Yeah. I mean, this is now. This if this had been it. a Capaldi episode, you would have said, "Nah, maybe." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're not still possessed. You want to get back in the TARDIS? Now? Depends on if Bailey comes back to write another episode. <laughs> oh, I think he should because these two, these are the only two he he's written. This one apparently had a little um, production hiccups uh, that that um, well, I don't remember exactly what happened, but they, it was supposed to have been open ended for the Mara to make a return uh, and that they had kind of fully envisioned this to be part two of a trilogy, that there mm-hmm. would have been an, another Mara story. And something happened, and I, I wish now I could remember where I read that. I don't remember if it was online on Wiki or what, but something had happened where they kind of necessitated, we need to wrap this up because production block had run long on something else and we knew that we had this going into the next story. Mm-hmm. And there, there's even apparently a little bit more of uh, the Doctor and Tegan's exchange that was pushed off to what's the next one? Is it Arkham or not? No, Arkham Infinity was before this. Right, Arkham. This well, Mar, or Mara. Uh, Tegan had just returned for. In fact, Arkham Infinity was just precedes just, just this, precedes yeah. this one. So what's the one after this one? Do you remember? Oh, I knew you'd ask me. Whatever the next story yeah. is, that there's apparently a little bit more business of Black the Doctor or, and uh, Tegan. No, 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 no. This is that's uh, that's season. Between, that, yeah, that's, that's the first one. Anyway, there's there's a little bit of business there to be to, to kind of wrap up because they couldn't get to it here, and huh. that they they kind of pushed through the visitations next, isn't it? No, no that's, that that's was still, after that's still, that's still after. Yeah, gosh, I'm this, the problem is this was this was from the season where it was it was is the 20th anniversary Mondwin of the, Mondwin. Mondwin. Yeah, that's what it was. this is Tegan's or uh, Turtles coming next. That's yes. what it was. That's right. Although Arc of Infinity was produced next. Well, likely that's that happened a lot when they were shooting. But it aired before Standard Days, right? Yeah, okay. So, um, so yeah, they they pushed part of that off into the other one, and I wish now I could remember the specifics on why. Um, But because of whatever had happened, um, they they killed off the Mara and decided, no, we're done with that. And yeah, they killed off the idea of the Mara. They killed off the idea of the Mara Mara because (laughs) we know the big finish is spoilers. (laughs) We'll be revisiting the Mara once again. Sometime soon. The other thing that I thought was really intriguing with this one was, again, the, this cast of characters that start off very disseparate. That we've got the the, um, the the wonderful performance by Sarah Jane's hubby in uh, as the uh, all the mirrors, the, the, the charlatan, yeah, yeah. you know. And we've got Lon who starts off. I totally agree with Chrissy. He starts off in this one direction and winds up somewhere completely different. And this is one of those stories that for, for every time we get there and we get a, a classic Who and we think. Oh, if only the doctor had had the psychic paper. That this whole <laughs> bit of business could have been wrapped yep. up so much sooner. This is one of those that when he's dealing with the archaeologist, it's like, if only you could have pulled out psychic paper and just said, oh, I'm from the blah, blah, blah Institute and you need to fix it. You know, yeah. and, and, and that would have well, fixed all that. That's the difference and between you would have lost two hours of storytelling <laughs> and 40 minutes well, of But yeah. you would have lost so much good stuff. Yeah. And the the so frog much argument world, wouldn't have been there. Right. Yeah, so much world building. So much world building. And it's such a, perp- a well-realized place that he they've developed throughout the entire thing. And a lot of it is from the archaeologist. Helps yeah. build this world. And makes it so believable. And and then he has his, you know, he, he's a great character throughout, despite being a foil uh, for the Doctor and, you know, the headdress bit and, and, and you know, just get out, you know, and he's done with him. Until you get to the end when suddenly he becomes that, oh, now you're back to being a one-dimensional baddie that you want the credit for yourself and, you know, well, more concerned about this. 
But I, it's a, it's, at this point, I don't uh, care. I'm not, I, I'm not faulting that I like for the, the story either. I like the idea that Lon Mara is dangling the stick, yeah. dangling the carrot and the stick yeah. with the, the, the new finds. And it's so it's it sort of hits home on that. You you can't almost sympathize for why the guy kind of goes along yeah, with no, I agree. getting the crystal for them and what he's doing because of the idea that this is a new find. I mean, this is this he's he's basically going through the motions now because they've they've pretty much explored everything that they could to his, in his mind, and he's constantly having to go to these. Uh, um, dinners and things and talk about artifacts that have been around for a long time yeah. because clearly his job is come to an end and so he's he's trying to keep him some yeah, he, he, he is literally standing on right, the shoulders of right. giants because he's at the pinnacle of everything that we know about the civilization so to, to do, and there's to, nothing new to do so to dangle that carrot in front of him and say you know this is the it really gives him a motivation to do what he does and it's in even in his mind and and, and your mind uh, you know what the the end game for the crystal is. When we know right. how bad it's going to be, yeah. he still he doesn't, doesn't know, know yeah. necessarily. He, he just it's knows that either. it's a sacred relic. But there's you know a trade off because now we're going to get a lot more stuff to study. We've got a new find. He gets credit for it. So you really kind of sympathize with him, even though he's kind of set up to be that you know trope of a, yeah. of a bad guy or, or an adversary. And had they not guy. shown him the find. If it would have just been a, uh, a worded promise, yeah, yeah a, no, a, a, it, would, you, a, a it wouldn't have worked. It. You're right. It, it wouldn't have. Yeah, the story wouldn't be as good. I don't like the fact that they blindfolded him to take him in there. And, yeah. and I love the assistant kind of dealing with the same Doctor Todd character that we've got this archaeological <laughs> assistant who's willing to go maybe just a little bit further outside the boundaries of what's allowed to help out with what he perceives as being real. And well, the, he's so reluctant at first, and yeah. then eventually. Goes over to the doctor's side, yeah. yeah. And the world building that goes on there that, that continues even after we, we've now broken out of prison and we're rushing to get to the thing, and we still get more about this festival with the oh, you've been touched by the demon, you have to give him yeah. a coin. And it's yeah. like this is a wonderful scene. It doesn't make any sense that it's in the you know in the middle of this because we should be fleeing the scene of the crime. I don't care. I'm enraptured by what he's able to do with building this different civilization and 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 all this and I would agree. yeah I would yeah. love to see more not just mara um and if anything the mara I think falls down a little bit on this story versus kinda because in kinda the mara is such a nebulous concept it's better when it's not trying to get a physical form and here it's grounded more this yeah. this one's yeah. grounded more and it kind of becomes the villain of the week where it's right. just I'm I'm here to get a body and it's like oh okay, you're, you're, you know but because there's so much like else that's great going intelligence on. Story. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah really. Bit, yeah. It's it's much better when it's just nebulous, as you said. Yeah, like with thought and shadow. Yeah. You know? So um, th- that's the one difference between these. Where I would I would probably put Kinda above Snake Dance if I was forced to kind of on the Mara, aspect, on the Mara yeah. aspect itself. But that's almost made up for. By Janet Fielding yeah. being so the performance so she makes it good. so menacing. Too. Yeah, yeah. Well, and structurally, because the story is paced out and told so well, too. I think that the, I think this story holds together better as a more coherent story. Yeah, because the first one, as you talked about, where it's so chaotic and you really don't know where it's going, and then the payoff makes it worth it. This is one of those ones that's very structured. You understand what's going on, and they're really building this story, and then we get. A little bit, okay. A little okay. That's that's the wrong word, but you know, we we build. It to builds something. to that frenzy. Yeah, exactly. Of, yeah. 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 You know, the end of the of the thing. 
Um, and again, all of all of the the, the sub characters that you, you you so many times in who you get those people that are like, oh, we're dealing with this guy, and you just don't care because all these people are fascinating. The queen was a fascinating character. <laughs> yeah. Mom just keeps showing up at the wrong time. Yeah, <laughs> and in a different outfit, which yes. Chrissy pointed out. Each time. The wardrobe for this chick alone had to have been what pushed this episode which over is, budget. It's funny. Every when I finally noticed her changing outfits so many times, I said, "Oh, and there's the queen in another outfit." And Chrissy said, "Well, actually, she's been in this." One for the whole episode. I was like, all right, well, obviously the outfit thing wasn't as obvious to me. And I give up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to. You know, we're, we're calling this our Mara archive because these are two big stories and we've kind of rambled on at length about them now. And, well, we had a, a bit of a ramble before. Um, we will be obviously revisiting the Mara at some point down the road, knowing that. Spoilers that uh, that she comes back in big finish. So and in a novel and in a novel. Well, so a collection of short stories. I Did guess, you say she? I the, uh, maybe it's because of Tegan, but I the Mara for me is female. I I, I think it, she should be female. It's cemented in my head that the the Mara was a male. A based on the voice, and B based on the first visualization we get of the Mara in Kenda as being the, the that trickster uh, yeah trickster yeah. guy. Um, even though you can argue that the, the pair playing chess was still an element of that of yeah. the Mara of the of the the essence of the Mara, um, that's why in my head the Mara was was male if you if you assigned a sex to it. I, I don't know why. It's, See, I didn't even assign a sex to it. I, I, it's more um, it's Gozer, you know. I thought Gozer was a man. That's whatever it wants to be. But just yeah, uh, for, yeah. for for whatever reason in my head, it's the Mara's a female. I don't know. I did. Oh, one, one other thing I want to bring up is I did like the idea, the use of the, the funhouse mirrors, and the statement that well, I was yeah. trapped in mirrors. Mirrors was with the device that trapped me. So almost like you know, do you think then, that'll hold me now? You know, it's almost like that's 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 the device there. You yeah. Know? And then the question of well, he was defeated by mirrors before, and then the explanation. Right. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, they weren't a circle then. Oh. So if I move all these. Perfect circle. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of like a weeping angel. Well, Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up next week on the schedule for Friday Night Who, we have Matt Smith in Victory of the Daleks. Yay! Two of Glenn's favorite things. Well, I like... I've never been real down on... There's some absurdity about that story, but... Ah, There's Matt Smith and Daleks. What more do you want? Daleks Daleks are good. Uh, and then a quick turnaround for us, anyway, to get back into Paul McGann's Eighth Doctor story arc. We're going to uh, dive into the Big Finish Eighth Doctor <laughs> Adventures uh, with a pair of Dalek stories, Blood of the Daleks and Blood of the Daleks Part 2. More Daleks! Yay! So, so, I don't know if we can call that a full-blown archive, but <laughs> a couple of Dalek stories next week on the, on the, on the, on the program. Uh, and if you have not yet listened to those, you still have plenty of time. They are shorter in length. They are about an hour piece. They they truck. Well, they, I have my computer back this time. So. They, they feel a lot more like um, <clears throat> new Who uh, <laughs> episodes, uh, at least in the pacing and, and editing of them, and they're, they're very, very well done. Well, BBC took adva- BBC, the BBC took advantage of the idea, or the format, and took yeah. advantage of the fact that new Who, by this time, had returned to television, or was soon returning to television, by the time they spun... Uh, Eight off into his own series because these were actually on Radio Four, right? Yeah, BBC, BBC Four. So they were BBC taking Radio advantage 4, of that. Whatever that uh, yeah, they were taking advantage of that um, 
idea, and I think that's probably why the format probably lent itself to yeah. more New Who-ish. And if there's any Doctor, you can easily switch formats. It's eight, since he didn't really have an established one on television. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's a return to form for him. Big finish for years, though. Put, already put a stamp on the format. Well, that's so. true. They didn't have to, but I think they did for that audience that they hoped to draw from the television. Yes, yeah. to make it feel more like the rest of the classic era. And a, uh, a slight. We'll gap. obviously talk more about this next yeah. week. So. A slight gap on my part from uh, our Friday night, who, as I tweeted out, the next week was. Uh, um, uh, the sensorites. I wondered about that. <laughs> Which it is not. Uh, <laughs> I did one of those, oh, uh, I guess I better prepare for that one sooner than I thought. <laughs> nope, just me. <laughs> I, I, it wasn't until Keith said, no, it's Victory of the Daleks. And I went, why would we do Victory of the Daleks? And I had to go and look and went, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> we're getting Paul McGann, silly. You know, it should have been a joyous thing. And for some reason in my head, it was like, why aren't we doing the sensorites? <laughs> I think I'm just been, I've been trying to get the sensorites on the schedule for so long. I was champing at the bit to, to, to get to it. So it's actually going to be on the schedule the following week. We'll do part one, two, three, because it's a longer one. And then uh, what we are calling um, Beyond the Doctor. William Hartnell. We're going to be uh, talking about Carry On Sergeant, some things with his uh, a career. Outside of Doctor Who. Outside of Doctor Who, which I think will be fun. And then we'll finish the Sense Rights on the uh, Friday Night Who for uh, the end of January, and then review the Sense Rights and Big Finish number 85, Red, which is another Fifth Doctor story. So we've kind of spent yeah. a lot of time in the Fifth Doctor's era here at the beginning yeah. of the year. But it's quite it was, all right. Big Finish is starting at finally started getting the fifth doctor right well I, this, I, I think it was due in a way i think we had taken a vacation from the fifth doctor for a little too long so yeah. i'm kind of trying to make up for some lost time now so uh, anyway this is uh, my, my january present to chrissy dedicating this to her, <laughs> Not uh, even her birthday. and uh, we have a little bit uh, of finagling to do as we enter con season but i think we have a, a pretty good handle on where we're going from here so we will get that posted for you you're shortly the only, you're the only one that affects for now, yeah, we are all in March. We'll, 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 we'll all be hip deep. You're the one who happens first. I have some business that I would like to take care of, if that's all right. Good. Thought no. so. <laughs> um, yeah, this is important. This is important. <laughs> I, I, I have I've mentioned previously for our Patreon supporters, and once again, we thank you very much for that, um, that if you would like your gift basket, you need to send me your address. And so now I'm going to call a few people out that I do not have. Alex Smith, whoever Dreamcasting is, that's the actual name on, on and I, I don't know if it's an, a, a, a corporate entity that has decided that we're, we're worthy of, uh, of uh, a, a few coin, or if that is uh, somebody's attempt to remain uh, um, anonymous. I may have some insight on that. Okay. Uh, I'll talk to you about that on mic. And then um, Lisa. Uh, Lisa, I need your address as well. And some of you I may have got from uh, Facebook, so I hope that your information on Facebook is correct. <laughs> you may want to send it to me uh, in order to make sure that you get. But th those are the three for sure that I uh, don't have. And one more we need to add is Vincent just pledged. So thank you very much, Vincent, for uh, for your contribution to the cause. Yes, absolutely. And uh, you are uh, eligible for Epic prizes, game show proportions. <laughs> Not really, but uh, we'd like to get you. We'd like to get your information sent to us so that uh, we can include you with our, our welcome basket, um, which I'm thinking we should maybe cap. 
I'm thinking we, we should maybe make this as the indoctrination uh, a bit, and you get this wonderful bit. So if you haven't jumped on the bandwagon yet and would like to, uh, now's your opportunity to do so and get this wonderful prize bucket, and then we'll find something else for... Yeah, I was going to say, that means, we're, we're not, yeah, we're not yeah, ending this. Right, for this but, particular introductory thank you, it's not that you won't get something for pledging because we want to show our thank you to people in the future that absolutely, pledge. Absolutely, yes. But we'll have something different, something new. So yes. this this is exclusive to you. So if you want to get on it, get on it now. Um, also, I would like to throw out a plug for uh, the Regal Geeks podcast. And uh, Sean and Max have invited me pretty repetitively to come in <laughs> and appear on their show and I just haven't been able to make the timing work and I thought maybe this was going to be the week and you could have headed over to their show and heard my dulcet tones uh, waxing philosophic about all the things I don't remember over there and uh, in you better hurry or you're dead I came home back and fell asleep uh, <laughs> I was so exhausted coming home from work and I felt so bad because I was so hyped and I was like yeah I'm going to come over I'm going to come over I'm going to come over and apparently Sean texted me all night long Aww. dude you coming you coming you coming and I came home and collapsed in a chair and just passed out. Mel woke me up and went to bed. That was pretty much all I remember from Monday <laughs> night. So, But if you get the opportunity, uh, the Regal Geeks, they talk uh, Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, and, and movies, and, and all of the things that uh, that we tend to prattle on about for the first hour of our show. So if you, if you like that, you could go check them out. Explicit, explicit material warning. Explicit yes. material warning on the Regal Geeks. Go listen to that one with your kids. That was all I had. That, that clears up my, my bit of business. Keith, you got anything? Nope. That's going to do it for this week. Until next week, I'm Glenn. Ribbit. I'm a frog, I think. Maybe. I'm Keith Ribbit. <gasps> Maybe I'm Kermit. <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. I didn't even try to do Kermit's voice. I should have. <laughs> <laughs> and them sneaky snake goes dancing Wiggling and a hiss Sneaky snake goes dancing, giggling and a kissing. I don't like old sneaky snake, he laughs too much, you see. When he goes wiggling through the grass, it tickles his underneath. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. He looks just like a stick Now he doesn't have any arms or legs You cannot see his ears And while we are not looking He's stealing all of our beer And then Sneaky Snake goes dancing Wiggling and a-hissing Sneaky Snake goes dancing A-giggling and a-kissing I don't like old Sneaky Snake, he laughs too much, you see. When he goes wiggling through the grass, it tickles his underneath.